welcome to Mother of Dogs, the podcast for pet lovers who want to live their best life alongside their fur babies. I'm Tina, dog mom to Winnie and Chloe, my two French bulldogs who bring fun and chaos wherever they go. If you want to hear stories from modern pet parents about how they navigate life and business with their furry friend, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hi, Samantha. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you so much, Tina. Congratulations on the publication of your award-winning children's book, Henry and the Magnificent Snort. It is a stunning and heartwarming book about bullying, belonging, and love. And I can't wait for you to share more about the book, Henry, and the writing process. But I was hoping we could start with getting to know you a bit first. That sounds fantastic. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. You've wanted to write a kid's book ever since you were a kid yourself. Can you share what you were like as a child and why that was an aspiration for you? Yes. As a child, I loved reading. I loved stories. I would make up stories even before I could write. My mom would then write them down and I would tell them to her. My my parents owned a independent bookstore that was a travel bookstore and it had a children's book section in it. And so I'd spend tons of time in there reading. And it was the first thing I ever thought, oh, when I grow up, I want to write a children's book. Wow, that's so cool. What a dream to be surrounded by all of those books when you were a kid. The library was my favorite place to be too when I was a kid. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, it was a fantastic, a fantastic experience and pretty neat when it seems like something that would happen in a movie, like Notting Hill or something. Yeah, I read that there is a family member that you had that also wrote a children's book. Is that right? Yes, my grandma, who I was so connected to and loved so much, she wrote a children's book from the perspective of her sister's doll. And just one of those people that I just felt so loved unconditionally around. And so it's really neat that I got to do something like my grandma Peggy. I love that. That's so cool. I feel with your parents in the bookstore and with your grandmother, you had this experience where you were destined to write a children's book. So that's amazing. I like that. (laughs) That's a cool thought. Did you grow up with dogs or animals? And if so, can you share your experience and relationship with them? Yes, I did grow up with dogs and cats from birth. It's interesting because as a little side note, I'm actually allergic to dogs and cats. And so I love animals so much, but growing up, I always wished that I could have the the pets sleep in my room, but they weren't allowed to sleep in my room. Um, And then later when I ended up getting Henry, um, I wasn't allergic to him, which was just like this kind of one of those weird meant to be things, but I've loved animals my whole life. I feel like I learned so much from them and it's weird because I'll see them. I'll see them as my, my role models. And when I'm going through a hard times, so often I'll think about things that my pets went through and that's what encourages me or gives me strength which is maybe a weird thing, but it's what I do. I just feel like I just relate so much to animals and I just love their energy and their magic. Oh, I love that. I think that's so interesting you say that. They are so resilient and 
I have my Chloe, she has gone through stuff with and watching her go through it, you wouldn't know anything is wrong with her. She's still so spunky and huge spirit and personality. And like you said, I think that it hurts me more than it hurts her. And so she's really kept my husband and I together during this stressful time and just her spirit and thinking, wow, she's so fierce and she's so resilient. I want that energy. So I totally can relate to being inspired by your animals, strength and spirit and resilience. Yeah, it, it's a, it's such a cool thing. And I totally relate to what you're saying. Like when I saw Henry go through things, he would just do it with such a positive attitude. And it just made me want to be more like him. Or um, I, I had some medical stuff that I was going through. And I remember thinking about our family cat and how he had gone through medical stuff and had dealt with it like such a champ. And I was like, Tucker can do it. I can do it. It's something that you'd think like a little kid would be saying like a five-year-old or something and I'm an adult doing it but it just connects and it gives you like bravery and strength and animals make you want to be a a better person yeah grace about them wow so your book is inspired by the true story of Henry mixed with your personal childhood experiences with being bullied Can you share how those childhood experiences impacted your life and influenced your path forward? Yeah. Uh, When I was bullied, it was when I was in, I went to a new school for middle school and I never really dealt with any unkindness before. I'd had a very idyllic childhood. Then I went to this middle school and I got bullied really hard and it just, it just knocked me over. I wasn't prepared for it. And I started thinking if everyone did it, because it was pretty much, it felt like the whole school or at least my whole grade, um, I thought something was wrong with me. If everyone is treating me this way, it must be me. And it was a hard time. And I've noticed certain things that like carry through that I think started then, like even things now, I think sometimes I'll have a tendency, for instance, to judge myself. I'll make up this outside perspective and it will be the worst possible outside perspective of me that you could think of. And then I'll try to fix myself to that perspective and monitor myself from that. And it's all make-believe, but I think that it comes from that. And just this feeling of when I was younger, I, I felt so um free and okay with being myself. And then when that happened, I thought, oh, wait, I was totally wrong. And I need to make sure that I never get knocked over like that. So I still feel those things where I just like, let go of that, that anxiety or that trying to keep yourself in check or think what could happen or what could someone think of me? So it's a weird thing how things can start so young and then be woven into your like adult defense mechanisms based on something that was a thing that happened to you when you were a little kid. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think that's so relatable. I think at one time or another, we are all going to feel insecure or in a situation like that. I also switched schools in third grade and then again, my junior year of high school. And those were nightmare times because people already established their friends at that point. (laughs) And so I think 
in third grade, I was the one also getting bullied. And so when I read your book, it just really touched on, wow, this is something that many people experience. And even just looking at it from Henry's perspective and how sweet and adorable and loving, I think you can start looking at yourself in that place of lovingness and sweetness, and maybe even looking at yourself as a small girl, when you look back and thinking, wow, I just want to give that little person a hug now and being more conscious of that. So I love that at least you can reflect back and understand where you develop some protective mechanisms for yourself, but also realizing it's make-believe and that you deserve more kindness and compassion at that moment. You did such a beautiful job with the story and sharing this experience is thank you for sharing. Oh, thank you. And I like what you're saying about how in the book, like like it's Henry who's going through it. And that's when I wanted to write the book, I wanted it to be dogs. And I want it to be Henry, who was like, like the most lovable dog ever. I think that it's crazy since I've come out with this book, almost everyone has their own bullying story. Possibly everyone does. So many people have come forward and told me their own experiences. And I thought that with this book, when you think about dogs, like dogs are all different. They're all different looking, different breeds, different colors, shapes, sizes. They all have their own quirks. But when you look at them, they're all lovable. You never think, oh, that dog deserves to be bullied or that dog. It's all their kind of unique weirdnesses that are so great about them. And so I wanted to tell that part of the story using dogs, like we were saying before about how then also you can see dogs as your role models. You'll look at dogs and you'll think, wait, people don't deserve to be bullied either. We're all unique and weird and quirky and lovable and don't deserve bullying either. So I feel like it was a way to get that message through and have it be universal because you can see yourself in the dog sometimes more easily than you can see yourself in people, if that makes sense. Yes, for sure. I completely agree. So you could have written a book about anything. Why was it important for you to write a book on bullying, belonging, and love? When I came up with the idea for the book, Henry's had an Instagram account or has an Instagram account with tons of followers And I thought, okay, I want Henry to be the the star of my book. And what could I write that would really help people? And I also wanted to be something that was um, authentic and personal to me. And so I thought, okay, something that I struggled with in childhood and that could have helped younger me would be sharing my story of bullying. And so that's what gave me the idea and then how to help anyone who has that kind of feeling, whether they're being bullied or whether they're just feeling like they're not worthy or lovable for some reason, which I think is such a common thing among all ages. And so it just seemed like it would be a good story. It would help others. And it's something that I could really connect with. So it felt like it was my story to tell. So that's how I chose that one. I love that. And I love how authentic it was to you. I was recently at a conference and the person asked us to put in Google how to learn to and see what the first thing would come up. And it was how to learn to love myself. And it made me emotional. And I thought, wow, 
so many people are struggling with that compassion and self-love. And so it's so interesting and beautiful that you're able to encompass that alongside the story of worth and self-love and teaching that to children at a young age. And like you said, highlighting bullying where we can all make a difference, right? If we all just learn to treat each other with kindness. So I think it's so wonderful that you're teaching children in this book, those complex feelings that again, all of us adults still are challenged by or struggle with sometimes. Thank you so much. I want to do that Google test and see what it says for me. Yeah. You have an incredible background. You have a BA in literature, a JD, an MFA, and studied at Oxford University. You teach writing to students of all ages. Besides knowing that you wanted to write a children's book one day, did you always enjoy writing? And did you always know you would be writing professionally? Thank you so much. Yeah, I've always liked writing ever since a young age. I didn't know that I would be writing professionally. It's the first thing that I thought I wanted to do as a little kid, but my path has been a winding road. It still feels like a winding road. I have some friends that just say things like, oh, I I knew from this age I was going to be a lawyer, or I knew from this age I was going to be a doctor. And I don't really feel like I know anything. I am just stumbling along and then certain things will light me up or sometimes I'll end up doing things because I'm procrastinating other things and then that will turn into something. I don't really feel like I have a plan, but neat things have been coming along the way. But a lot of the projects I end up doing are things where I feel like I'm procrastinating what I'm supposed to be doing and then doing something on the side for fun. And maybe that gives me more freedom and less pressure with it. And yeah, maybe I should stop. Maybe I should reframe it and see that those are actually the pathways and that the should stuff, I can drop the shoulds and it will happen anyway, or it will happen naturally. I love that. Do you feel that you're intuitive? I would like to be more intuitive. I've been talking to a lot of people about that recently, and I think that I can get into a more intuitive space, but I have to really um, quiet the kind of mental chatter to do it. And I tend to be someone who has a lot of mental chatter and a lot of um, a lot of head-based thinking and looking at things. And so sometimes I'll tell myself, stop and drop into the heart space, which is where I think more in, intuitive stuff happens, but I have a, a habit of going up and into my head. Are you intuitive? I get so interested in talking to people about this kind of thing. I feel like I am. I think we all are, but I think like you said, do we nurture it? I'm not sure everyone does. And it is easy to get caught up in distraction. I'm very much like you though, where I've had a very untraditional path and background. And when I read your background, I was super excited because I think it's so interesting when people decide to go to school for all kinds of things. I have so many certifications and so many things that maybe I'll never do, or I'm in art classes sometimes, or I'll get a kick on just 
very random things. And again, it's not that I have to feel that I have to pursue it, that I have to create some sort of outcome, which is fun. There's so many things in the world to do and be excited about. So I have a hard time when people say that they're bored because I am a person who will naturally want to do everything. And I think that's helped me in understanding a lot of people. So I think that it's easy for me to feel intuitive because I feel connected in so many places just because I've made myself be in those communities or those places where I feel like I belong, even maybe if I don't. (laughs) That allows me to feel grounded and I don't know, connected in a weird way. So I, I guess I would say that does resonate with me. Yeah, I, I like that. Yeah, and I've definitely been a, a wanderer educationally as well. So often I've applied for jobs and I'll leave off degrees and things on my resume because I'm like, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make you look like this person that's for that job. You're like all over the place. But I love that. that and that you take courses. I do the same thing. And I love going to different events and just learning new things. There's so many exciting things to, to learn and, and to do. And maybe just not thinking about that it has to have some sort of result. Maybe you'll figure it out in the future. Oh, all these pieces went together in some sort of way. Or maybe some pieces don't need to fit in the way that you think that they should. Yeah, that's so interesting, too, that you said that about leaving off some of those on a resume, because I think that's so true. You do feel like you have to fit in a box and that you look crazy if you have multiple interests. I used to think of it also as I'm weird because I have all of these things (laughs) and a person thinks that I'm all over the place. But my husband would always tell me that the thing that he admired most about me was that I'm always trying new things. And that made Mm -hmm. me feel better because he's very traditional and opposite personality than me. And so I think for him, he sees it as I'm willing to put myself out there and explore and it's attractive for him. And that made me feel a lot better about being a little bit untraditional. I also think that we both love to read as kids. And I think when you're surrounded by books and possibilities and you read a lot about different worlds, different kinds of characters, different people, diff- just different experiences, I think you become so curious and you continue that. Often I meet other people who are similar. They also love to read, love stories, love to expand their world and don't get bored because you know what's out there. So I think it's interesting that you have the same perspective. And again, the background and love for these stories makes such a big difference. That's such a good point. And I also, I love your husband's perspective of you. And I feel like it's how I was saying that sometimes I'll see myself from the outside and it will be like, what's the worst thing someone could think? And it's made up. Your husband's an example of, okay, there's someone who's different than you seeing you from the outside. And it's a fantastic perspective. So maybe just shifting that in general and thinking like maybe the person that sees that I'm all over the place will think, oh, how amazing. So just shifting that kind of view. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I think you have to keep your life exciting. (laughs) Life is long and short. And so I think (laughs) if you continue to just explore, things feel a little bit better. Yeah, just have fun with it. Have fun with it and relax. (laughs) Exactly. 
So writing is a fairly independent activity. What is your favorite part of the process? Is it outlining, researching, writing, or editing? I think there are numerous parts. I like coming up with ideas and I, I can come up with ideas like crazy and that's fun. I also, I really like when I'm writing and I hit on something that just feels so true. Like it gives me such a good feeling when you're like, oh, that's it. And it can feel true in that like you you got the experience or you got, it, it's hard to explain I was writing the other day and I wrote something that I didn't think I was going to write. I was writing this article about bullying and like bullying advice. And I started it off by saying this one time that really stands out in my mind when I was bullied really badly. And then as I was writing, I was like, I want to include the story where I felt like I was the bully. And it's something that I felt ashamed about too. And I, I haven't expressed that. And I had that buried inside and I don't even know if the person that it, that I did it to felt it, but for me, I felt like I was the bully. And so I wrote it and I felt, I felt like I could feel myself expanding. Like it was such a cool feeling. It was like this truth. And it was like this truth that I didn't really often share. And it felt like this breath or this, this air. And it was such a cool feeling. It felt bigger than writing like it felt like it was making me a better person and I love moments like that and there it's not like all of writing are those moments but when you get those moments where you hit truth or where you feel like you're expanding like it just feels like really meaningful and purposeful love that. and like authentic yeah like you said removing that shame you're freeing yourself with truth. I think that's really cool. Yeah. Oh, I love how you put that. Yeah. I feel like you are very uh, in tune with your emotions and aligned. And I think that's what's so cool about writing. You really have to be in tune to express what needs to be expressed. I think reading that book, I think for a children's book, it's complex it's nuanced. You're able to touch on all of the points that everyone would relate to, but also in this beautiful, playful and loving way. So I think to be a good writer, you really have to be good at processing and gut feelings and thinking about that. I think you just did such a wonderful job. Uh, thank you so much for hearing your description of it and that it resonated with you. That makes me feel really good. Yeah, definitely. Do you have a consistent writing practice or a ritual where you work on your own personal projects outside of your professional commitments? Do you journal to stay in tune with your own feelings and what's going on? My writing practice is not fantastic. <laughs> I hear all these writers and I read about what other writers do and they sound like so on top of it. And that's, that is not me. I recently, I went to a writing workshop and Julia Cameron was talking there about morning pages. And since then I've done morning pages, which is right when you wake up, I have the book in bed and you just write just anything that's in your mind. So I've been doing that, but that's like super recent, like the last three weeks. Other than that, I try at the end of the day, and I don't always do this either. I try to just 
jot down in my phone the things that have happened to me that day because sometimes I don't know sometimes you see these like synchronicities or these beautiful things or you'll see oh like three days ago I was so upset about something and then you're no longer upset about it that day it gives you like a good um perspective and also just like a sense of of time and when I don't do it sometimes I I feel like a little bit like I'm just floating and I'm not sure even what's happening in my life um so that's helpful then my other writing I don't have like I don't have a consistent practice it's just sporadic and just I'll even think am I supposed to write on the computer or am I supposed to handwrite and I have both and it's not a consistent practice I don't feel like I should be the role (laughs) the role model for how like how you're supposed to do it but I still managed to write a book even with even with messiness and even with going so long sometimes without writing pretty much anything I love that too because (laughs) it's so refreshing to hear someone who isn't consistent and it doesn't have a specific ritual or something like that because it's daunting or you feel like you're not a writer if you're not doing it. I've been taking writing classes recently and some people are saying that you're a writer because you write text messages, you write emails, you write every day you are writing. And so basically owning the fact that you can say that you are a writer, even if it's not what you expect it to be or what you think it should look like. So I love that you also feel that you were still able to do it. I think that's really encouraging for people listening. If that's something that they aspire to do, that it is possible. It's such a weird thing with saying that you're a writer. I feel so many people struggle with that. People will introduce me and say that I'm a writer or that I'm an author. And I feel like I'm not a writer, even though that's, it's just, you don't do that with other professions or you don't do that with other things, but it's like such a weird thing to, to claim. But I, and I I totally agree with what you're saying about even like the text messages or the emails. If I haven't been writing, I'll notice that in my emails or in my text to people, I'll start like. I'll start going so long and I'll start going so off and I'll be like, oh, (laughs) I want, my body wants to be writing and I'm not actually doing it. So instead I'm sending this like random email that is just like me spewing off about like things that don't even have to do with what's in the email. And it's just, I think the part of you that wants to write just getting out or I'll do it in text messages too. And I'll be like, I should have written that like down in in a journal or like on my computer but I love that we're all people who think in words and people who talk in words and I think there are stories inside of everyone and so I think I don't know I think we're all I think we're all writers just some people sound really cool when they've got their rituals and they're oh I do it from this time to this time and I'm like oh not (laughs) not me so funny I also love that you were talking about synchronicities. I was challenged to keep a notebook of synchronicities. And I think that's such a cool thing to do if you're having a really bad day and you get out your notebook of all of these synchronicities that have happened or that you experienced. It does bring you back to a good place and feeling grounded and 
that the universe isn't out to get you. Sometimes I feel like, wow, this day really sucks. And it feels like everything (laughs) is happening against me. And so when I think of those things, or I look at that, it's almost in black and white on a piece of paper, all of these cool, amazing things that I wouldn't have normally remembered. I think it's easy to spiral out of control when you're not having a good day and only think of all of these negative things. And I think having that book of synchronicities really helps to just make you feel better and just bring you back to reality. Like you said before, it's it can be make-believe in your head and really put you in a worse place than you need to be. And so I think for me, that's been something that has been so important and so healthy to get back into a good health space, if that makes sense. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And I love that. And I think that like the grounding thing is is so true about synchronicities and about the universe and just thinking what is going on. Sometimes I'll stop and I'll get like the other day I was actually writing, I was journaling outside at a restaurant And I started thinking, what if the universe right now is trying to send me all sorts of messages? Like, what would those be? And so I was like looking at like the way that like the different pigeons were like flying around, or I was listening to the conversations of the people at the tables around me. And it was like, what's the universe trying to tell me right now? And it gets you into this kind of adventure, like this adventurous kind of like magical space where it it snaps you out of the dialogue that you have in your head or this thing that you have in your head that you're thinking that isn't true. It's just thoughts and makes you like, look at the world. Like you're on this, like really exciting adventure or like you're in a video game, but you're getting to move through it and think like, what in here is for me. And I feel like synchronicities will do that to you where you'll be thinking something and then something will happen that just answers what you were thinking or like correlates. And you're like, what? And it just makes you feel connected and not alone and like a little bit crazy, but in a wonderful way. It's like, yeah. I don't, and, and I think writing them down is, is so good. And that's what I was doing. Like in my phone, I should go through and find those and write those out because just beautiful things can happen all the time. Even when you're having like the worst day, life can, turn around so fast in these like moments it's really beautiful like even when things are awful and sometimes when things are awful that's when something great is going to happen just to show you how beautiful the world is so true and like you said it's the littlest things that you're really not looking for I remember I had an experience this year I was crying and a song came on and it was it had been playing, but at that exact moment, I listened and it, it basically told me to stop crying. <laughs> and that was part of the lyrics. And of course, I listened to it and it caught me off guard. And I started laughing at that moment because it just seemed too weird and real. And I think that, like you said, it just there's these little jolts that it almost does make you feel crazy. But at the same time, you feel so validated where you do feel connected. And that's not something that I maybe would have paid attention to before. Like you said, it's so important to be open to all of these little messages and signs um, because yeah. they may be in plain sight and you may, may miss them. So yeah, 
they're amazing when you start tuning into science. I don't know if you've ever read, have you read any of Laura Lynn Jackson's books? I met her in person <laughs> and she really? actually told me that she felt I was intuitive, more intuitive than the average person. And so it's so funny that you bring her up because when you asked me before, I wondered, should I tell you about her and that story? And that's what I was told. And then I was like, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say that story because you probably don't know who that person is or I didn't. Yeah. So that's so funny that you say I, that. That's so awesome. So that was, I went to her, she had like a conference about raising like intuition. And I went to that in New York and I read her books and I love her. And after reading those, like they helped, her books helped me so much after Henry died. I went through such a hard time and her books helped me so much. And I would have these things because I think it just helps you open up and see things. I would have these synchronicities happen. You can ask for them. This is what I was going to say. I, I've had so many things happen, but this one, I was walking on the beach and I, there's like a dog beach. Okay. I want a sign from Henry. And I just put that out into the universe and I was having this walk. And then a couple minutes later, I saw two Frenchies and they were playing in, in a tide pool. And one of them reminded me um, of Henry, the way he looked. And so I walked over to, and I thought, oh, that's, that's nice. And I walked over to where they were. And the one that reminded me of Henry, he had like his face down into a little like puddle and was pawing around in there. And he was standing with, his mom was next to him, but I immediately start talking to the dog like I do. And I was like, and I, so I said to him, I was like, oh, what do you have in there? And then the mom says to me, she just says, that's Henry. And I was like, what? I just started crying, but it was just like, that was the first thing that someone said to me. Like I said, I want a sign from Henry. And then some person says to me, that's Henry. It was crazy. And it was like, when I looked at him, I didn't even look at his, his collar. And I like noticed that it was red, but I didn't read it. I was just, and it was like, the universe was making sure if you're not going to read it, we're going to have her tell you like that's Henry. So just, yeah, there's beautiful things all the time. Even when you're feeling like alone or like life is hard or you're going through grief, like songs will come on. Like I totally, I love all of that stuff. And I love that you've met Laura Lynn Jackson. And I love that she said that you were intuitive. I think she is so cool. Oh my gosh. That story is so incredible. It makes me emotional listening to it and thinking about that and you asked for it and it came so quickly. Like you said, if you miss the caller, the universe was going to remind you and say, Hey, wow, that's so incredible. Uh, thanks. Yeah. I feel like we could have a whole, we could have a whole conversation about all of our stuff like this, all of our signs. It could be a whole nother conversation. I have so many cool stories and I'd love to hear, I'd love to hear more of yours. Oh my gosh. I love that. Yes. Well, definitely connect about that. That's so crazy. So I mentioned previously that you teach writing to students of all ages. What has been your favorite age to teach so far and how fulfilling has it been to help others develop that skill? So I've taught, uh, I've taught pretty much every age. The youngest I've taught are kindergartners and the oldest is at a retirement community. Oh my and gosh, then every, wow. <laughs> yeah. And then every age in between, I, different things that I liked. I really liked teaching 
memoir writing, like nonfiction writing to, I taught at Columbia, a non-credit class, and it was to college students and grad students. And they, since they weren't getting credit, they all really wanted to be there. And so that was like, it's really fun to be with people who really want to be there and would be doing it even if they're not getting credit. So that was like, that was a great experience. I really like teaching. Um, I taught, it was a similar kind of thing, like life stories to um, second and third graders was like a really fun age because I feel like it was especially like, was it especially third? They are so smart and so creative and they don't yet have the fear that kind of comes in later or the wanting to to do things perfectly or the kind of worrying that comes in a little bit later. And so I felt like they would just come up with stuff that was just mind blowing. And they almost didn't even need to hear the like directions. They were just ready to go. And that was a really fun age. Other people, I feel like there's also differences if you teach one-on-one versus classes, like Mm -hmm. teenagers, I like doing one-on-one better than in classes. And yeah, you get like a more, a more personal feel. The hardest to teach actually, (laughs) the hardest to teach was the retirement community because (laughs) they would say, oh, I don't want to write today or I, but they'd show up to the class. And then I felt like I I can't tell them like what they have to do. They get to choose and they, and I'd be like, oh, I try to encourage them. They're like, no, I don't want to remember things today. And I'd be like, okay. And you can't like, you can't like discipline like you do with kids. Like they're older than I am and like have experienced all of this like stuff in life. So I would just, go, all right, it's a little bit awkward for me, but I'll just sit yeah. here. So they were the tricky, the trickiest ones, That's but still so fun experience. Yeah. But sometimes they would refuse to write. So they were like, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, why did you come to the class? So. Yeah, but uh, no, it's been fun. I feel like teaching for me personally, teaching high school students that were in a group that gave me some anxiety, but I think that's, I think I go back to that age and feel the anxiety of being that age and being in the class. So when I see people, like when I talk to people and they teach middle school, I'm like, wow, I'm so impressed by them <laughs> That's so because that's funny. my scary age. Yeah. <laughs> that's so funny. So, yeah. I feel like English teachers were always the best. I did not do great in school. Yeah. I remember the biggest compliment that I had ever gotten my whole school career, at least from elementary and high school was my fifth grade teacher. We had an assignment where he gave us a story. It was a creative writing task. So he gave us the beginning of the story and we had to end it. And I think it was just in maybe one page. And I think mine was five pages and I really went wild with it. And that was the best grade. And he told me that I should pursue writing. And I remember thinking, wow, this is the first time I've ever heard that I was good at anything, (laughs) that I should pursue something. And that forever is a golden moment in my life where I think, wow, Mr. Murphy really thought that I was a great writer. 
<laughs> so I think that's for me, so beautiful. Yeah, I oh, I, I love that. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. Then that's a sign that you need to be writing. That's what I found in my life. Like when I decided to go and get my MFA in writing, it was because I was jealous of my friend who was going to grad school um, for writing herself. And I felt like this crazy jealousy. And then I was like, wait a second, that's a sign. And so that encouraged me to go back to school for that. When you're seeing, look at the people that you admire, look at the things that you admire, and that's there to tell you something. Yeah, for sure. Your your book book is coming. It is. I'm working on one. Oh, fantastic. That was so awesome. Yeah. I was really interested when you said that you were teaching or one of your favorite things to teach was about memoir. I've been taking so many memoir classes and that's the direction I feel like I'm headed, which I thought that I would have wanted to go more professional in a like a nonfiction content style book where it was more of like yeah. about my expertise and but it ended up being I feel like the universe is pointing me in this like memoir direction and so I'm going with it even though I feel it's terrifying but I love that so that's what I got my MFA in was writing memoir and then this Henry book was kind of like a like a side procrastination project that then turned into something else But yeah, I think definitely if you're feeling memoir, do it. I love reading memoir, like memoir and personal essays. That's what I buy. That's what I like curling up with. Those stories that just make you feel like you're not alone, be in someone else's head. You're like laughing at like what they're going through and also laughing at yourself. Like you're, I I feel like they're connecting. And you can also, you can bring in your professional stuff into those. There's so many books that like integrate stuff, but I think yeah. that it resonates more and it hits more when it's like, when there's so much you in it. Yeah. I really appreciate that. And the encouragement, I think that's also important to have a sense of humor about it. And that's some of the classes that I've been taking lately. There's one that I don't know if you've, you're familiar with this. It's hysterical by Alyssa Basis or Bassist. Um, and it is a tragic comedy. It's very <laughs> sad, but also humorous. And so she taught a class on tragic comedies. And so my book, I'm trying to infuse more humor in it. And that was a really cool class to take. I also took another writing class that was comedy writing for non-comedians. And so they also take you through how to infuse humor into that. So I think that it's making me more playful and reminding me that stories of struggle or challenging stories to share, it doesn't have to stay in that dark spot. I think that also shows my own progress and healing and going through all of those things and adding humor to it just feels good and makes sense to me. So yeah, I'm really in that hole right now. Oh, I love that. Those sound so cool. I love watching comedians, especially comedians that like, I really like, because I think there's so much power in comedy because it breaks through, it gets things in, into the viewer 
that wouldn't be able to be given to them if it was like a lecture or told a different way. And it will make you look at things a different way. And I don't know, there's like a magic in it. So I, I'll watch comedians and I'll think, how could I get the messages that I think are important to people in this digestible way that can sneak into people without the boundaries that we've, or the, the walls that we'll put up on things. If you let them down with certain kind of comedy. I'll find myself laughing at things that before I'd be uptight about, but it's, I, there's a magic to comedy. So that's so cool. And I think it's also so good when you have a book that deals with heavy subjects to have the both, the, the highs and the lows so that the best books, you're reading them, you're laughing at one part, the next part you're crying, feeling like the whole range of human emotions. It, it helps the heart. It helps you release. It helps you relate. Like, that's so cool. I want to know where you're doing these writing classes. I'm like, I could use another writing class. <laughs> right. I think that's the thing. It's the absurdity of these situations, right? There is these tragic things that happen and you're like, this is so absurd that I have to laugh to just get through it or I'm just going to sob all day. She was talking about how the jokes on you if somebody watches you trip over a banana then like you're the joke yeah. but it's you taking that power back and you're telling the story and so you're not the joke anymore you are the one who's telling it so people aren't laughing at you now they're laughing with you and so it's interesting the way that she was just talking about it in an empowering way and also I think that I thought that my book proposal was going to be like super easy to get through in a weekend. Like people were telling me that, oh yeah, there's writers who wrap up their book proposal in a weekend. And I thought, oh, okay. So I guess I don't need this much time. And so I tried to do that and it was so difficult. I was so emotional and I needed the weekend off because I started diving deep. <laughs> and I remember thinking, oh my God, what am I doing? This is, I don't know how people do this. And my husband was so sweet and he's just I think yours is a little bit beyond average. So I think it's okay if you take space and time in between these things to process it and don't yeah. compare yourself to these other writers because of the subject matter and to be able to, and then this other person's class, she was talking about how it took her 12 years, 11 or 12 years to get her memoir. And she's like, it's an embarrassing amount of time, but she gave us homework and she said, this is all due in 12 years. And I think that I, I liked that. her class so much because it was so relatable and didn't make you feel weird about having some room to process. And she said, there's nothing harder than writing something out, having to process it, and then you're turning it into art. She's like, that's so much pressure. And then she said, everyone needs to give me five stars because I just wrote the book. Whether you like it or not, <laughs> you just need to give it to me. And I think that that's... I don't know. I just love that attitude. And I think it really does make me think about supporting other people and how I can support them the best way. Whether you are the best at something or not, you gave your best effort and you tried. I want to like do this podcast and share other people and really lift people up as much as I can, because all of these things are so important. Yeah, uh, that's so fantastic. And that sounds like an amazing teacher with the 12 years with, with my book, I remember writing my, um, illustrator. And when we decided to do it, I found this email like recently 
where I said, okay, well, I think it's going to take a year to do the whole book. And I saw that email and I just started laughing, looking at that email being like, oh, I thought it was going to take a year. Eight years later, the book came out. But when I emailed her, I was like, oh yeah, in a year, it's going to be done. And then I saw that. I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't know. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So sometimes it takes a while. And sometimes you take huge, like huge breaks from things. I took huge breaks from this, but I think, I think the not comparing yourself is just like such a gift. If you could do that in every area of your life, like not compare yourself to other people because you're not, we're not on the same. It's not like a race where we're on the same track or where we have the same kind of like finish line. Everyone has their own thing and then it's all going like different directions. And it feels so much so often it feels like we're like on this thing and we'll look and be like, this is how I'm doing. I have to compare myself to this person. This is a weird off topic thing, but I've noticed that like lately with, I've had people I know die and it just makes me think, oh, it's not this track of everyone's on, everyone has their own life path. And you think like, you think like it's school. And that you each go to each grade together and you do these certain things and you get these certain, you do these certain tests and you're all moving in this, in the same way. And if this person's doing better than you and this person's doing worse and you need to do this and that, but it's, that's not what life is. It's such a bigger, like board than we can even see. And uh, yes. But it's so easy to want to measure yourself and to want to know this means I'm doing good and this means I'm doing bad. And if I just stay in these like boundaries and I have to get this done in this weekend or I have to do, but it, but those are just things we're making up in our head. It's not, it's not reality, even though like we'll keep telling ourselves like that it is. So true. I think it's about fairness too. Like you said, people passing away and you're like realizing that life isn't fair. I think we are looking for that permission or the fairness of life. And I think that's also something you're setting yourself up to. That's, it's not, that's just not how it is. I think like you, with the book, everyone at certain points are going to feel insecure or bullied or like they have to start over or like they don't know where they are or this lost feeling. And I think that as I've gotten older, it's less about doing things to fit in and more of following what I want to do. I think at this age, if I look at my peers or other people, priorities are very different. And I think, oh, if I had those priorities, maybe my path would have looked like that, or that would be my direction. But that isn't my path because that's not really what I prioritize or that's not the outcome I want. And I think that it's safety, right? We're all looking to think, oh, we're right where we should be. Like you said, when you compare grades or you're moving forward in life, labels make us feel safe. So if we're all in fifth grade, we all know where we're at. I think we all have the same expectations. Life is so uncertain. These make-believe things help us to feel safer than we are. And so the uncertainty is what we're trying to avoid. And then also just having a a straight path because then we're like, oh, I know exactly where I'm going. It feels really scary to maybe be lost. And I think there's another podcast episode I did with Ron Holloway. And 
we talked a little bit about the feeling of being lost. And that was actually a positive thing, being lost. So I think it's also about reframing these concepts and leaving room for openness and your own personal direction that makes us all unique. In your book, you talk about us all being unique. And at the same time, we're all connected and we're the same in that way. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. I I was thinking this thing that you said about the fairness thing. And I had this thought like over the last, I don't know, couple of years that what if, what if life is fair, but we're just getting like this little snippet of it right here. If you think of like souls lasting forever and having it just Mm -hmm. be such a bigger picture than we see. And we're trying to judge it and we're saying this isn't fair, but we're only seeing like this tiny little picture. And maybe we're all here to learn our own individual things, but it, but in the end, it's all, it's all for good or it's, or it is all fair. So it's not, I don't know. It's just this concept that I was, that I've been thinking about the last couple of years that has made me feel better about just the world in general, or when things happen that seem so awful, but you think maybe if you zoomed back like Mm -hmm. past to where we can see like there is like a beauty or there is going to be a fairness or things are all like moving in this good direction yeah I love that Um, I've thought about that too have you read many lives many masters yes (laughs) yes such a good book yeah, that makes so much sense. I've read a lot of books too about soul dogs and soul contracts and your purpose in certain lives yeah. and what that looks like. So this is going like such a different direction, but I think it's so funny <laughs> that you're saying that because I've also considered the fairness. I have zero idea what I'm doing here on this planet. We're all just here and it would be so foolish for me to know what this looks like. And I think it also has made me I used to feel very responsible for specific people in my life. And I was raised to think that. And I think that was so much pressure. And as I've gotten older and I've tried to release that guilt, I've also realized that I actually don't know what's best for this person. I have zero idea. And who am I to basically think that I do? And that's my responsibility. That has been freeing in a sense where... I'm like, I barely know what I'm doing. So who am I to say that this person isn't doing what they're here to do? Maybe they're here to teach me to get out of that mindset and to give up on that. That's not really reality. I've been writing about that same thing in my morning pages recently. And just like this, sometimes having this like feeling that like you need to fix things for other people or you need to help other people and you take this stuff on, but you don't know first of all, you're not doing it. Like you're not fixing it and you don't know what they need. And it's this one word that I was talking about with a friend that I really like playing with is is arrogance and how there's an arrogance Mm -hmm. in that, that you think that what you're doing is best or their path or what they're supposed to experience. And so if you can see it as that and be like, oh, that's me being arrogant, where you think you're being really helpful, even though it's sometimes hurting you, in doing it, just like letting that go and be like, I I think the thing that you can do that's the best thing is like just being your own authentic self and Mm -hmm. like cultivating 
that love and that joy inside of yourself and then letting that like radiate outwards rather than going up to other people and trying to fix their problems or take on their problems. Like it doesn't end up working and it ends up like depleting you and it might help them more if you're just this loving, happy in yourself being next to them and they can see that as like an example or just feel that kind of energy. I definitely fall the other trap of just feeling like, oh, it's like my purpose to help people or it's my purpose. But then I think maybe it's more helpful if I'm just me and if I'm just like authentically me and help myself and not in a like selfish way, but selfish shouldn't be like seen as a bad word, but like in a, like a self-love way that then helps other people as the, the byproduct of it, of just like being yourself. Oh my gosh. I can't even believe you just, (laughs) I love that you said that it's exactly what I've been thinking about the past few years and what I've been working towards that specific energy, because I think that it's not only a crutch for myself and I'm thinking, oh, I can't be my best self because I have to worry about this person and do that. That's my responsibility. And so it does take you off your own path as well. And like you said, it's not helping this other person. There is this toxic dynamic where they're wanting to blame somebody, right? And then you're taking that on and then blaming them that they're worrying you. So it's like this like weird dynamic of, I can't be my best self because you're not taking care of me. And I can't be my best self because I'm having to take care of you. So there's this conflicting relationship, but I think it's so important. Like you said, that Self-preservation is not bad. And I think the best example and the only thing that we actually have control over is ourselves, our attitudes, the examples. And if we're happy, that is a frequency that people do feel. I feel that people love me more now that I'm being my authentic self, where before I was afraid to do that. Permission to step into myself and be me, letting go of that it matters. I love everything that you said. It's so resonated with me. It matters. It matters so much. And I think when you're doing things because you're like trying to be good to another person or trying to make things better and it's sacrificing part of you, then when people like you, it doesn't feel like they really like you. So I think that like when you're more authentic, just true self, even if it's like messy or not like perfect or what your brain is telling you what perfect is then when people like you you actually feel it and you're like oh like you're liked without trying and it just it makes relationships like deeper and more connected it makes you just calmer and more peaceful it makes I'm sure the people that you're interacting with feel feel that too so it just it benefits everyone of course, like being kind is all, is like a good thing, but it's like seeing it as starting with a kindness to yourself. It's not a sacrificial kindness. Like it's just a love from within that's emanating outwards. I love that. I'm just blown away that we were connected and that you have this because it's unexpected. It's so wonderful. <laughs> 
we've to we've totally gone off topic for, for I know, a while. I'm so it's in the book. It's in the book too. It's in the it's in that realm. But yeah, <laughs> we've definitely got off the script. <laughs> so we talked a little bit about the writer label. So does that resonate with you? And if it does, what does a typical day look like for you as a writer? I think I rebel against having a typical day because when I have typical days, I feel like it's like um, confining in some way. And I don't know if this is right or wrong, but what I've been doing recently is trying to write right when I wake up, but I don't always do that. I always have a to-do list. Sometimes I'll look at it and I just try to do stuff and bring some good into my, my day, try to do like things that I think are that are good. And then the, and then it's nighttime. This is seriously like how I do stuff. And then writing down what I've actually done is helpful because I'll be like, oh, I actually did do things. But right now, like I'm working from home and I'm writing. So I don't have the structure that I've had like in past jobs. And I think that sometimes it helps with creativity, but I think also then it makes it hard to talk about what a typical day is, but it feels good that what I'm doing is mine. That feels neat, but it's definitely not like super organized or something that I could put up on like a PowerPoint of like, this is how my, my life works or my being a writer works for me. I'm also just figuring it out. I feel like I'm always just kind of figuring it out life. So what I, I don't it- know what <laughs> What makes the day feel productive or fulfilling where you're satisfied at the end of the day and you're like, yep, this is good. I think sometimes when you just have these like cool moments throughout the day, like those things can stand out and feel really good. I'm doing a a book signing party in like a week and a half. And I went to, it's going to be at these three different venues. And I went and I brought like flyers, like updated flyers that needed to be there. And I walked into one of the venues and they were in there talking and I replaced the flyer and it was a husband and wife. And she was talking about how she wanted to write a children's book and how she'd just been diagnosed with an illness. And she wanted to write a children's book. It's like a rare illness that could then help kids who were going through it. And she's like, I can't believe that you walked in here right now. And so I gave her like my information and she like was talking about my book and she had her dog sitting on her lap. And I was like, there's a dog in my book that looks just like your dog. And I like opened it to the page and showed her and she started crying. Just those, those things like that are just these like beautiful moments in it. And like when you're even just like running errands or doing things that are on your to-do list, but then you have these moments where you're like, Oh, it's what I'm doing is bigger than just bringing flyers for an event or like when you find out that you're inspiring other people or when just those are the things that make me feel good. It also feels good when then at the end of even of a day, I look and I'm like, oh, I actually did six things that I had on my list. And that feels good too that things can get done without you feeling super stressed about them, that just doing one thing and then doing another thing actually like accomplishes things. That's a good feeling. Totally. I love that story. I feel like you seem to have those moments all the time. That's amazing. 
Yeah, I have been getting those a lot. And it makes me think about your question to me about if I'm intuitive. And I guess those are intuitive things, but I know that other people have been talking about intuition where you can ask a question and you just get a response. That hasn't been happening. I would like that to be a lot clearer because so often I feel like lost or am I doing the right thing? I would like my intuition to be even bigger, but I do get really cool um, synchronicities. Maybe that's my way of communicating with the universe now, and maybe also building up my intuition muscles. Yeah, that confidence. I keep going off topic, I feel like. No, that's okay. So how do you describe Henry and the Magnificent Snort book to those who are unfamiliar? So the story of Henry and the Magnificent Snort, it's about a little French bulldog, Henry, and he gets bullied because he snorts and then he learns that he's lovable, snorts and all. And it's based on my dog, Henry, and it's his true life story until you get to the bullying part then is what happened to me just told in a dog's version. But in the book, it starts in New York, which is where I was um, going to school. And when I first got Henry and then we moved to San Diego, which that's all true. And then that's where he gets bullied. And then that's where I mesh it in with my story. My gosh, I love that. It perfectly merged. That's so great. Ah, thank you. Yeah, I wanted it to feel really like true and to be something that was my authentic experience and also Henry's experience, especially because, because he had so many people loved him. And so I wanted his story to be there for them too. And for it to be like the true story, which was such a neat experience to have. It's going to make me teary. was such a neat experience to have like a whole world love your dog I feel really lucky yeah I can totally feel you they have such special souls people in my family or friends who are going through a hard time and I would just say I just need to bring Winnie over I only had Winnie at the time And just watching somebody else love what you love so much and see that it's not just you that they're brightening up, but other people, it really is such a, you feel that maybe sometimes you don't know the right thing to say, but him, he is the right thing. It's a universal language of him making everything better for everyone. So I totally understand what you're saying. Yeah. Dogs are, they're like such a, they're like a universal love language. Like they touch so many people and then you just feel so, you just feel so lucky that like this being that you love so much, like that love extends way beyond just the two of you. It's a pretty like magical thing. So speaking of Henry, can you tell us about your furry soulmate and the impact he has had on your life? Yeah, I wanted a Frenchie for years before I got Henry. I was in two Frenchie meetup groups in different states 
And I would go to the meetups, even though I didn't have a Frenchie and I would play with other people's dogs. And they were like, what are you doing here? Like the person who goes to the playground, but doesn't have a kid. I felt like I was like a little bit creepy, but I was like, no, I really want a Frenchie. And I would play with their dogs. And then when I got Henry, he was a birthday present from my parents. And he was the first dog that I ever had that was mine. Like I grew up with pets, but they couldn't sleep in my room. They weren't my particular pet. And I remember looking at him. He was just this little thing. And I remember looking at him and it felt like I was the Grinch. My heart felt like it loved more than it knew that it could love. Like love went beyond where the edges of my heart had been before. And I just remember being just like blown away by that and looking at him and thinking, oh my God, I didn't know I could feel like this. And then the crazy thing is, is that the the longer I had him and as the years went by, it got even more like by so much. And so it started with more than I thought I could even feel. And then it only got better and so much better. He felt like he was like the perfect soul for me. Like he was meant to be with me and like that we just fit together in this way. And he was, he was like my idol. He was so funny and sweet and loving and innocent and goofy and positive and he never thought that another dog didn't like him. If another dog was like barking at him, like in a way where I was like, oh, that dog does not like you. He would like, do that little like Frenchie thing where you, they put their rear up at their rear in the air and he would think, oh, they want to play. And I was like, he does not want to play. But I loved that it didn't even cross his mind or think like, how would someone not like me? He just was just this innocent, loving goofy, sweet self, the best person I knew. And then I was his favorite person, which just blew me away that, so, that like that someone's so amazing that I would be their favorite person. Like that was just like the most incredible compliment. And it also felt like it was like the most kind of authentic thing. And the thing that I feel the most proud of sometimes people will talk about like my degrees or my friends like will brag about me but like the thing that I'm the most proud of is being Henry's mom that was like like I'm so proud of that like it was such like such an honor he was so amazing ah uh, my heart ah uh. They can add a dimension that you didn't know was there or possible or your own capability, that love that you describe where it's so mutual. It's really rare to have that energy reciprocated in all of your relationships, the obsession that you can have for, <laughs> for them. It feels just as strong back. And I don't think that I've ever had such a earnest, sincere connection and the most interesting part is that there is no verbal communication, right? It's just this almost soul level 
communication and understanding when you both look at each other. And I think for me, that's the most magical part where I'm like, wow, I don't have this with humans that I can speak English to, but I can have it with this other being that will follow me around and make me feel this special, this way that my existence is so important for them. And their existence is so important to me. It's this connection. So yeah, I love your explanation and what Henry meant to you. I I understand that. Yeah. You're nailing it. And the thing about the look too, like he would sit there and he would just stare at me. And it was like, I could feel the love and I could like feel it filling me up inside and I would get teary and it's a wordless thing. Sometimes Henry would snort to me and I would talk back to him and he'd snort, but it is like this, it is this like wordless, like incredible, like gooey, thick, all encompassing feeling of just being completely loved for like exactly who you are and your dogs see you at your worst they are getting like a completely unfiltered version of you and they love you completely. They're such angels. We're so lucky to have dogs and like animals in general. And when you have that kind of soul connection, it's hard to describe it, but it just, uh, it's such a, it's such a beautiful thing. I just feel so lucky. And I I know everyone who, who, who has this, they feel like they got the best dog in the world, but I know I got the best dog in the world, but it's so cool that everyone has that with, and it's like the dog thinks they got the best human. Like it's, it's so magical. I love that. I also think about the way they change you. Winnie and Chloe, they make me a morning person and they make me feel like every single day is Christmas because when they see you for the first time in the morning there's nothing better than their like wiggly butts and the way that they're just so happy and I'm so happy it's like this moment where literally I feel like every morning that I see them (laughs) wake them up to take them outside it's this moment of excitement for the day and that we get to see each other and I can't describe it and it sounds stupid but I I get so upset with my husband when he goes in there first and I'm like, you're taking away Christmas from me today. It's not fair. It's it's so crazy that you say that. And also that you say Christmas, because that's how I described it. When I would come home from work or anytime I came into the house, I was like, I would get this excitement inside of me. Oh my gosh, I get to see Henry. And it that's how I would describe it to people. I was like, it was Christmas every time I came home. So you're describing even using my exact words, but it is that it's like that feeling that you would get as a kid, but you would get it every day. Like it would just be this, this jump of excitement inside. And whenever I would come in, I would, if I was on the phone with someone, I'd say, I have to put the phone down for a second. I have to say hello to Henry. And I'd open the door. I wouldn't be on the phone. I put all my stuff down and I'd sit on the floor and he'd run up to me and he'd, get on his hind legs and put his arms on my shoulder and give me a hug. And it was like the best feeling. And I did that every time, like I came in into the door and it, it is, it's like, it's the feeling of Christmas. Like it's just pure love and excitement and joy. And 
all, all the other Christmas feelings, but I can't believe you use the exact same word. I've never heard anyone else say it. That's so cool. When you talked about the Grinch and that like heart feeling, I can't even tell you how many times I've told my husband about how I feel. And I said, even the Grinch had that feeling. That was me. But when I saw Winnie, it was love at first sight. Brian and I wanted Frenchies for 10 years before we ended up getting them. And so we would walk around our neighborhood and we would see Frenchies all the time and we would take pictures of them if we weren't together and then we would send them it's so funny I used to chase people but I didn't want them to know I was chasing them but I'd see someone like a block or two away so I'd start running but then when I got close I'd try to like walk normally but then when I get up to them I'd be like a little bit out of breath I'd be like oh hey can I pet your Frenchie and I did that all the time and so then when I had Henry people would stop me all the time and I was like and I'd miss crosswalks but I was like I have done this to so many people that now I have to pay it back. So yeah, I was the the same way. And I love that I love that you wanted them for a really long time too. I wanted, I think for me, I think it was four years, but I can't, I'd have to, I don't remember when the bug first hit me, but I wanted a Frenchie so bad. And then I got like the perfect one. And it was the love at first sight thing too. And he just crawled into my lap. Like he knew that like I was his mom and it was just this crazy experience. And I had never had a dog on my own before. So I didn't know what I was doing. And I had the hardest time with potty training and he would chew everything as a puppy. And like, sometimes we would both be just so frustrated with each other. And, but I still felt that like incredible Grinch love. And I already thought that I was like such a loving person that I had loved so much. Like I thought like I had a huge heart, but this went way beyond. I liked how you said like another dimension. It was like another dimension. And then that it kept growing. Like I'll see people with puppies and I'll see like that, like they might look like a little bit frustrated and cause sometimes it's hard and I'll say, you know what? I just want you to know it gets so much better. They're so cute as puppies, but it gets so much better. Like the connection just mm-hmm. like it, it's mind blowing. Like it just expands into something that you didn't even know existed. You yeah, know? totally. So yeah. crazy. Yeah. So when did you know you were ready to write Henry and the Magnificent Snort? So I came up with the idea when I'd always known I'd wanted to write a children's book, but it had been one of those things that was in the back of my mind. Um, I actually, I I don't even know if I knew that I was going to do one. I just knew I had originally as a child wanted to, and then it was just in the back of my mind. Um, And what I had been working on was more like memoir kind of stuff. But then when Henry's Instagram got so big, I started thinking, you know what, Henry would be a, a great character and he would be like, it would be great to have a book about him. So that's when I started thinking about the bullying idea. And I think it was 2000 and gosh, was it 2015? I can't remember exactly what it was. It was eight years, about eight years ago. So I think it was in 2015 when I started actually doing steps of doing it and writing the story and reaching out to the illustrator and put everything into motion. And 
I thought, okay, it's going to take a year. And, and my original idea was I wanted to take Henry with me and do like book tours or go to schools and have him with me on the readings of the books. So that's when it started. So did you try to grow the Instagram account to as big as it was, or was that something that just naturally happened? So when it started, I did it because, so I was supposed to be writing my thesis for my MFA in, in writing, and I was having a, a really hard time getting work done with my non-writing routine. And my mom's from Montana and we have a small cabin in Montana that has no internet and no TV. And I don't have friends there. I went with my mom and with Henry and I was going to work on my thesis and get tons done. And then when I was on my phone, I noticed that my friend had set up an Instagram account for her dog, Daphne, who was Henry's girlfriend, a little Frenchie. And she had 57 followers and they were people that she didn't know. And I was like, that is funny. And I thought that's so funny that you, that Daphne has an Instagram account and that people you don't know are following it. So instead of writing my thesis, I think I maybe wrote two pages of my thesis that whole time I was there. And I set up this account for Henry. I entered him in like these contests. There was like this back to school photo contest. And I was like, I just played on Instagram, making this account for my dog, which was like a mix of, it felt like a joke, but then it also felt like definitely procrastination, but then it was so fun that it became just this thing that I would do (laughs) to procrastinate writing basically. And I continued doing it and just more and more people were following. And it was, it felt fun because when you post like on your own stuff, like a bunch of pictures of your dogs and you think that your friends are just like, we don't want to see more pictures of your dogs. You feel like you're being annoying. This was like, it wasn't my friends. It was all people who just wanted to see pictures of my dog. And so it was this kind of like fun outlet of me sharing like these videos and these posts. And it seemed like it was just, it seemed like it was just fun. And then I started having these super meaningful things come out of it where I was like, whoa, this is like bigger than just me playing around with Henry. The first that really shook me um, and made me realize this was this man wrote me, he lives somewhere in the US and he wrote me and he said that he drew a picture of Henry, which was really cute. And then he told me that he had really bad epilepsy and that it was so serious that sometimes he couldn't even leave his house But one thing that helped him get through every day was going on and looking at pictures of Henry. And I was just like, oh my gosh. And and then I would have more things like this mother wrote me and she said, can you post more videos? Because my daughter, I think her daughter was like two or three, like um, really young, was in the hospital. Can you post more videos? And I was like, yes, I'll post, I'll post more videos. And I sent her, at that time I'd started doing like Frenchie art 
I was making these little piggy banks that were Frenchie shaped and I was like painting all over them. So I sent like one of those to that little girl. And then the mom sent me a video of her opening it. And it was like so cute. She was so excited to have something from Henry. So it just, it just happened in this kind of organic way that stemmed from me procrastinating writing. And that's how, yeah. And that's how it happened. And then I started really liking Then It was just very exciting. And you meet people, you become friends with people that are living all over the world and people like care about your dog and care about you. And like the nicest, the nicest things happen. And you hear so often about like, like bad sides of social media, but there were some like just incredibly beautiful sides of it. Like these connections and these things that people would say or do or send Henry gifts or things they would share with me. You feel like, like the dogs gave you this avenue of just connecting with these other animal lovers and just these other beautiful people that like, I don't know how else you you would have connected with. It it was a really neat um, experience. It still is. I feel close to the people like all around the world from Henry's Instagram. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. I love how organic it was and a surprise and the community <laughs> yeah. you built such a, an amazing community that you were able to still feed with Henry by writing this book and having all of these people just know him and love him and want to continue to support you and spread Henry's message. That's so incredible. Yeah. It was an amazing thing. And also it was like so surreal at times. I would be walking down the street and people would be like, is that Henry? I follow him. And they'd like get like their pictures taken with him. And it was a really fun way. It was a really, it was a really fun way to be famous because no one cared about me. So I could have been like, I could have looked awful, been dressed awfully. Like I could have been naked. No one noticed me and they just were so excited to see Henry and that's great for Henry he's just getting love and like pet and and they're like getting their picture taken and I didn't feel like self-conscious or like I had to like really worry about anything like he was like this the star which was really neat best way to be famous have a famous dog that's so funny you're Henry's keeper (laughs) yeah yeah it was awesome So you started to write the book in 2015. What was that whole process like? And why do you think that it took so long? So I first wrote the story and it was longer. I edited it down actually, but I wrote the story and then I talked to the illustrator. I got my illustrator and I, we'd come up with ideas for the drawings that would go with it. There was a lot of stuff that happens like after even just the initial story, like how it's going to be laid out, what, like what goes on what page, putting it all together, changing certain parts of the story or certain parts of the illustrations. I got the book part done and I had almost all the illustrations, although I kept adding in more dogs, which my illustrator was so nice about that, but I'd be like, oh, can we also paint in? So, and because almost all the dogs in there are real dogs. So I'd say, can we also add this one? And, oh, I've got another one. I kept adding them and she'd be like, yep, we can squeeze them in here. We can do this. 
Um, so there was a lot of like, tweaking with that. And then I got to the point where all I really had to do was I had to get the design, a designer to do like the layout of it. And I needed to write the about the author and I needed to write the about the illustrator and I needed to write the acknowledgements and like just some slight editing, but I'd done almost all of it. But then Henry passed and I didn't know if I was going to do it. Like I had a really hard time and I wasn't sure if I could like get myself to complete the book and I'd try and then I'd feel like upset. But then I eventually kept plotting forward and worked with a designer and did the editing and wrote just those last like couple of pages. Um, so there was like a huge gap, but then I got it done. I also felt really responsible to all the other dogs that were in the book because they like knew that this book was coming out. So I felt like I needed to finish it for them as well. And I'm really glad that I did. I so easily could have not finished the book and there had been so much put into it, so much time, so much energy, so much art, but it was just those last little bits. And so I think that accounts for the eight years. If you want to write a children's book, you can probably do it in <laughs> way less time than that. Although my initial one year, that would have been a bit of a, of a push, but I thought, oh yeah, what's it take to write a children's book a year? Although now I actually think I could do it a lot faster having done one, one run. Yeah, I can imagine. So were you done with your MFA then? And that was like the first writing project that you wanted to do and publish was the children's book? Yeah, I got my, I can't remember what year I finally got my my MFA because I did, I never did my, I didn't go back and do the graduation ceremony. I took forever on my thesis. So I feel like the last point of that, then I worked on this, but I wasn't even thinking about this as, I wasn't even really thinking about this as like a writing project or like that it was connected to my thesis or to my MFA. Like it was like a side project. That's how I was thinking of it. I was doing other, I was doing other things. I had other jobs. It was just this like project that I was working on this on the side that was connected to Henry's Instagram and me. It was a little bit of a procrastination project. But then it turned into now, now I've been focusing on it a lot more in the last year and getting it all together. But that's when I was doing it, I didn't have, oh, this is what I'm doing. It was just one of the many things. Wow. That's so interesting. But you don't think that you needed to get an MFA to write this book. You were going to do it regardless of whether that was your educational background? Yeah, I never studied anything in school about children's book writing. I've never taken a children's book writing class. I got so much advice though about the children's book that I didn't take and I'm really glad I didn't take. You get advice when, I think you probably get this in any form of writing and that's actually, that was hard for me getting my MFA when I was 
in writing classes and everyone's giving you their opinions and you're like, oh, yeah. But with the book, I got so much advice and then I didn't take most of it. And then I'll now get complimented on things that was like advice that I didn't take. And I'm like, oh, I'm glad I didn't take it. So I think just do what feels right for you. And you don't need an MFA to write a book and you don't need it to write a children's book. That was just an, an another thing that I did. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm looking at the book here and just like thinking back, reminiscing. Yeah. So it's interesting. It's interesting what things in your life like blossom or what things come to be. It's been fantastic having it come out into the world. It's been fantastic. Like the feedback that I've been getting, there's some really exciting things that are coming up with the book in the future, which I can't talk about publicly yet, but when I can, I will definitely let you know, but it's, it's really neat. And it's really neat sometimes how timing works and like, just sometimes things can seem like they're taking forever in life or they can just feel frustrating. And then you're like, wait, these beautiful things happen that wouldn't have happened if it hadn't happened this way. Yeah, it's definitely been a, a learning and growing experience. Thanks for sharing that. I think that's so important to think about because I can't tell you how many things I feel regretful that I have procrastinated on, or I think that I've missed my chance or my timing because it is delayed. And I think that's something with age too, that I'm starting to recognize is that I don't know divine timing. I think we always think of chronological timing and what that should look like. And we always want to be earlier or rush to that. And I think that with my writing, I wouldn't have had the wisdom or the insight or all of those. I just, I feel like I'm a different person now. I wouldn't have had the confidence to write certain things. So yeah, I think that timing is your friend. And I think that's important to feel realistic. I think I've had things pass me by and because I wasn't confident enough to say yes at certain times, I feel regretful and I beat myself up more. Like you should have been confident enough to say yes. You should have done it then. You would have be you'd be ahead right now. And I think that now looking back though, I think that like you said, everything kind of blossoms or manifests a certain way. And you do appreciate, wow, this is another chance or opportunity that I have had. And now I'm, I feel different about it, if that makes sense. It, it totally makes sense. And there are things that I could have been frustrated about this book or not having it out earlier, but there are things that are coming up with it that wouldn't have happened had it happened earlier. Mm -hmm. And I, I like what, and I like what you're saying about like your writing and in general, like I think back to some of the stuff that I wrote when I was in my MFA and I'm so glad that I didn't make that public, but that's where I was then, but I'll read things and I'll be like, I can't believe I even read this aloud in my class, but we're all just, like, 
it's such a weird and interesting thing being human because we're constantly growing and moving and there's not like a version of us that's like this stable like that's me version I just so it's just so weird and I I think just having have empathy for yourself at all of those different phases and like compassion and don't beat up your younger self and I say this to you and I also say it to me it's not helpful and be sweet to that person and what a gift it is to get to be here today and to get to have the wisdom of having gone through those things and have the opportunity to like every day that we're alive you can totally change your life you get to be here and you can think differently you can have a different perspective you can treat yourself nicer like we're always like every morning that you wake up you're given like a whole nother another chance and so be like confident and nice to yourself today and if you have a bad day be super kind to yourself about that and know that I think it makes it more meaningful when you've gone through hard things or you've seen yourself not do things the way that you now would have because you weren't confident then when things actually do start working like it just feels so much deeper than it would have before and I think that like we have these lessons and these grow growing that we have to go through that's part of the the gift yeah that's so true do you feel like with the Henry book that you needed that time to reconcile what you needed to, to then have the confidence to put it out into the world the way you wanted to yeah it's interesting because I'm having a different experience with the book now than I would have had I done it earlier. In a way, I would have loved to have done it with Henry, but there's a deeper experience to it in this interesting way of how it's happening now. And also some kind of crazy parts of the book after Henry died, I ended up bringing a lawsuit. He died because of veterinary negligence and concealment. And it was a really hard, it was a really hard thing to do. And it was so strange because I would look at the book and there's like the image of Henry standing up in front of all the other dogs and standing up for others. And it was like, I would feel weirdly motivated by the story. It's so hard. But it was like, and I would have pressure to do things or to not stand up in ways that felt right to me. And then I felt encouraged and almost like the book was like like a guide for like how I was supposed to stand up for Henry which was like I never would have thought about when I was writing it (sighs) 
yeah it's just life is just like <laughs> beautiful and, and weird and painful but in beautiful ways sometimes and it was just strange to have like, this story that that I read like, in these other kind of ways come to life I, I never would have imagined that ahead of time so, yeah it had been like a deeper a deeper meaning and I think that I, I tell myself I'll tell myself the same stuff that's in the story and the same messages that I'm trying to tell the kids I'll find myself like coaching myself with the words from the book in my own life now which is just a it's just a weird universe yeah it's it's crazy because I think with the timing we never know that maybe something is going to prepare us to cope with something unimaginable like you described like you already had this really bad experience as a child and you were transforming that into something different. And then little did you know that you were like writing this story that's like transforming something as an adult. I think it's yeah. so beautiful. It is like this full circle thing of you're, you're trying to transform all of these feelings and maybe a different time like you said it would have seemed more ideal with Henry but it's almost a wink from the universe again and Henry saying like, I've got you and this was inspired and you had that I always think sometimes with Winnie and Chloe I can't imagine the pain and all of that's to come when they're not they're no longer with me and then I think like, would I choose that still? Just because you have the highs, but you know that the lows are going to be so awful. And I think I never understood, like, it's better to have loved and lost than to not have loved at all. I think that I always think about that now. And I'm just, uh, it, it feels so crazy because of the impact and how they change you as a human that despite knowing that and being and knowing that there's that darkness there that they still thinking about them that legacy that Henry left it's like that brightness still carries on for you so it's really inspiring to hear you talk about how this journey still brought so much love and surprise in a way that you weren't expecting yeah I relate to what you're saying and like your emotions about just thinking about losing them in the future. I, with Henry, I used to look at him sometimes. Like I remember once lying in bed and I just started bawling, just imagining that one day he would die. And he's looking at me crying, like, probably like, what are you like? What are you doing? And it would make me bawl, but I thought it was going to be so far in the future. And then when it it happened in a, in the worst way. 
I can't imagine it. It happened worse than I could have possibly imagined. And then, and it, it was horrible. Like on, it was so horrible. But then it was so crazy because I remember like I'm survived it. And I remember like looking at myself and just almost being shocked that I still existed, like that I was still there. And, and it was just, I, I, and I would watch my grief and I would watch what I was going through. And I would just look at myself and surprise in that I was even there. And it wasn't like, it wasn't pretty and it wasn't, and it wasn't fun. And I still <laughs> am crying on a podcast five years later, but Like that thing where they say like, you get broken open like so many beautiful things also came from it that I never could have experienced or I never could have felt or I never could have grown if I hadn't gone through them or if I hadn't gone through them this way and like, I did things that like that I'm so proud of they were so hard for me to do but they made me feel like connected to myself and connected to the universe and like all that science stuff. I never got that before. And like connection to other people and your universe, it's like the heart expanding. Like when you go through these losses, your whole universe expands and it's yeah, it's there's parts that are just awful, but then there are parts that are beautiful. I'll have things happen and I'll just be like crying out of gratitude or I'll feel like connections to other people or just to my life or intuition or just these moments. And just like this, just this gratitude to be, to be alive even like all the horrible stuff it's we're so lucky to get to do all of it and you don't I don't think you get there unless you go through these things and so I think these things will happen and like when they're happening you might think this is so unfair one of the hardest things for me when Henry died is I started it's like the book I started worrying that he had died because I didn't deserve that love like my the love that I felt from him or that I didn't deserve that made it so he wasn't safe and that's why he died. And that was like a really hard, that was like a really hard thing. This weird kind of, I think like core belief that, I don't know, but you just, it's interesting. Just saying that just now, I didn't cry as much as I used to, which means it's healing. <laughs> but yeah, if you had told me ahead of time, I would, I don't, unless I'd been like my wise self, I, it would have been a very hard thing to choose. And I would have been like terrified, 
But I like this idea. I've been told, and I, and I like thinking about it, that our spirits, before we come here, pick all the stuff we're going to go through, which also goes into the whole idea of everything being fair. That we go through these things because they're what our soul needs to grow. And like when you get into that kind of headspace, just everything feels like a, a miracle. Even, even the worst stuff feels like this weird miracle. And like when you also think that it's so much bigger than what you can see now and that, that it's all okay. That like Henry's, he's not gone. And that it's just, it's just that I can't see him, but I will have people come up and say, this is Henry or like other incredible signs. It, I don't know. It's just, it's just a beautiful thing to be alive, even through the messy crying hard bits. And, and it's definitely, the love continues. Even when you're, when your dog dies, that's, it's not the end of the story and beautiful things happen. I had so many people reach out to me. So many people go through loss of their dogs alone and they feel, and they feel so isolated in their grief because I don't think it's talked about that much, like the pain of losing a pet. And I was so lucky to have Henry's all these people all around the world writing me and sharing with me like stories that they hadn't ever told anyone that just made me feel like I went through something that was so hard, but I also feel like I was so lucky. Like I was so lucky and I'm still so lucky. Like even going through all of it, it's all, it's all a gift. <laughs> I didn't know I was going to cry so much on this no. podcast. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's crazy. I feel like we're kindred spirits and like you're saying it's it's blowing my mind, really. You talking about deserving and like feeling that that's such a hard feeling. Like I completely <laughs> share it. <laughs> it's something that I've struggled so hard with because I've never had something love me as much as Winnie and Chloe and so thinking of not having that is unimaginable now and it's it's been such a gift but it's also brought on like a new fear that I feel like <laughs> I'm having panic attacks about because I'm like I don't want to leave them with anyone I'm so like afraid like, I'm fearful of that, of that, like not being with them or something happening because I wasn't there. It was my fault or I don't deserve that. So it's just like you describing all of these things and experiencing that. It's just, it's, yeah. My friends have been telling me lately, I have to figure that out. And it's just been really hard for me <laughs> to do that. And so you just talking is I feel like the universe talking to me and when you were talking about experiencing your nightmare, you feeling like that power, just the fact that you are like still here and you had to like go to that depth and that layered levels. I just think it just reminds me of, yeah, like those, the darkest of times, just 
bring out a different part of you that you don't even know exists, that you have this inner strength. The fact that you survived that, then maybe you can survive all of these other fears. And maybe, I don't know, there is this having to reframe it, right? And find the good and like figure things out. Like you said, there is this weird beauty about these times that really challenge and try us to a place that we don't want to go. And that's not what we would have chosen, but it's like you're there. And so you have to learn whatever it is and push forward the best way that you can. Yeah, no, it's so true. It's just such a weird thing. Being a human is so weird. But like when Henry died and I got through it, I thought, okay, maybe I'll get through it when it happens to my parents too. Like, and it's true. It's like a different you, like, it's like a different dimension of you that comes through it and you learn these things about you. And it's just, I, and and there's something it's horrible and there's things that are beautiful. And, and I think I, I just have to go to thinking about the whole bigger picture thing of that we don't ever really lose anyone or anything. And that we're like, that this is just this small, we're just seeing this small screen from like this bigger picture, which when I, this is not where I thought, this is not where I thought this interview was going to go at all. But like when I lost Henry, I didn't believe in any of that. I thought like, when you die, you're dead. I had, and I was like, very like confident in my beliefs and, and so it just, all these things then kind of happened that kind of blew apart my old way of looking at things. And I'm, and I totally think I was wrong before. And I'm so grateful that I was wrong. And I was so sure of myself too. And I don't know, it's just beautiful how we can change and how we can grow and how sometimes that happens through things that don't make sense to us especially in the moment or that seems so awful especially in the moment but I think that there's just a bigger I think there's just a bigger picture that and that we have to trust that there's a bigger picture and that we're cared about and we're like loved by the universe or by God or by or just by just for being who we are like through the whole through the whole process, like through the good bits, through the parts that feel like they are not good. And just like to trust that everything is like going to be not just okay, but just way better than okay. Like everything, like that it's all, that it's all good. Even the sucky stuff. Yeah. And make room for possibilities, expanding your world. We can have all these small beliefs and figure it out. But I'm a human who doesn't really know. So I don't want to be responsible again for the huge big picture. I feel that because I don't know, I feel better about that because someone else is responsible. And maybe there's a solution that is just going to come out of nowhere and is helpful. And I think that's really saved me a lot is just feeling like, there's not much that I know. So I think that it's going to be figured out eventually. And, and so I think 
that's been the biggest part. I remember in my master's program, I had a uh, teacher who he basically, his mom died when he was a little boy. And he was told that his mom loved him so much that she was on the moon and she was watching over him at night. And it was just this beautiful, elaborate story that caused no oh. suffering for him. So he never missed his mom in a way. He always felt that she was with him and that she loved him. And he, the way he was told this story, it just made his life so expansive and in a such a beautiful way that really just, he just didn't experience suffering. And so the class was really talking about being a healing presence and also reframing our stories and expanding our world in a way that leaves room for just better, better outlooks than maybe like our personal narrative. And so that was really a life-changing class and really challenging concepts in the beginning. But I think I'm so grateful now remembering his story and how that can just really shape a person's life and direction and their path moving forward. That's so beautiful. Yeah, I love that. And it's, it is just like that kind of shift in perspective to something like that it can change everything. And I like also the idea that we don't know and that there's like a a beauty in that there's a beauty in, in not having it figured out, not knowing the whole picture. Maybe we just know what we're supposed to know right now. And there's like a freedom and a letting go in that and not having it all figured out. Totally. I remember being in, in my, I've been with my husband for 17 years. So it's been a long time. He's been with me like my worst moments growing up. And I remember there have been years where I'm just like, I don't know how I'm going to reconcile this. I don't know if I'll ever feel better or heal from this moment. And I think back and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's, it's so funny to think back about that because it's like the things that I thought about then I'm like over it in a sense now where I'm just like, oh, it's even if years later, or I've made sense of it, or again, my world has expanded in a way that does reconcile it right where that's not a, an issue for me and so I also think sometimes being with a person for that long like you can have all this baggage right where it's not great to be with somebody for that long. you can carry a lot of animosity if you really held on to it and I also think that being with somebody since I was really young and growing with them we've had a million different relationships and we were like all of these different ages. And so like maybe one year wasn't that great of a year and we broke up and another, like meaning that person doesn't exist anymore. And I also don't exist. And I wouldn't want somebody to see me as that static person that was in 2017, right? Like I'm 2023, Tina. And so like how much have I changed as a human and how much he's changed. And so when we look back on our relationship, what I'm most proud about probably is just the fact that we see each other for what we are now. And we're so proud of all of the different iterations that we've had so far and how compassionate we are for that couple who was just 19 and 22 and then whatever ages throughout. And I think that 
makes us look at each other in such a more gentle way where we're like, oh, I was just 20. I didn't know anything. And so you don't hold on to the stuff anymore. We didn't know better. We were just trying to figure it out. And yeah, I think in that sense as well, that's brought stability, just being able to look at it with fresh eyes and say, he's going to be a different person tomorrow. And I am too, hopefully. (laughs) And so I think my biggest pet peeve too, is when people are like, I'm just this person and that's just how it is. And I'm like, I have to run from that because I think that's such a not great outlook because you don't have to be, you can be whoever you want in the next minute. You can completely change your reactions. You can change who you are. That's probably the most exciting thing about life for me is that I really want to be a different person next year or like tomorrow. And I want to be a better version and reconciling all of these different thoughts, like the only constant is change. And I think that you can see that in a negative way, but it's also, I think for me, really refreshing and to hear how you've evolved and your mindset with Henry, you can still have this grief, but there's still immense love and gratitude. Like for me, I listen to you and I'm just like, wow, like he is so with you. Like you can totally feel that. It's just, it's amazing. Oh, thanks. I love, you just said like a million things that I loved. And so I was like, oh, comment on that, comment on that. But that was just everything you said was so beautiful. I loved hearing about your relationship and like how it had been all those different relationships in one. I feel like that would make an amazing story or like a chapter to your book. I think that's just so beautiful. And the thing about being like a new person, like every day is it's so true. And I've noticed it like over the last couple of years, I had a couple like close friends die. And with that came this like feeling of, whoa, like suddenly the whole world feels different because that person's not there. And it almost feels like it's this different world because these are like people that I've known for forever. And then you have each day and you feel like a different person and it's in this and I I don't know like I'll wake up one day and I'll think I can do anything I want with this day like today I could not say a single negative thing to myself and I could just talk to myself like I was the coolest person in the world and I'll be like what and like now I get to go dress myself or now I get to and like you can and I can tell myself like you can do this the whole day and like you get this I don't know, just this kind of refreshed version or like view of life. And I like to think like that other people then are going on to their next thing, but I'm still here doing this one. And what amazing thing can I do with my life today? Or what beautiful life changing, like in this life thing can I do today? Or how could I look at, and, and so much of it has to do with just perspective. What if I just change the way I talk about this or the way I see myself or the way, and it can even feel like a game, like a fun experiment or something you do as a little kid. Like today, I'm going to pretend I'm a princess the whole day, but like doing that, like as an adult and just feeling like moments like that, just make me feel grateful that we get to be here and we get to do it. Even if we've messed up a bajillion times, like we, we get all of these other amazing chances. And like, how change, like you're saying, the only thing consistent is change. That can be change for the better. Like you can always be changing 
and becoming like more sincerely you or more like your best self or more like joyful or connected or exploring cool parts about yourself or embracing even the parts of yourself that like you think are the like the bad parts of yourself like in the book like Henry's thinking like the snort is a bad part of him but then in the end like he's hugging the pig so find the parts of yourself that you think are like not lovable or that you think are something you should be ashamed of and switch that and be like that part of me is amazing because there's a gift in all of our parts like even the parts that we think are like this is something bad and something that I should hide and like looking at it in a different way the whole world looks different when you like change how you're relating to yourself I could talk to you forever so I try and focus on the question (laughs) we're like oh yeah we're doing a podcast not just chatting on the phone (laughs) So one of my favorite lines in the book is not only are we all unique, we're also all connected. Therefore, it makes no sense that you could ever be rejected. Everything and everyone, including you and I, are made up of the magic from the stars in the sky. So what inspired you to merge your stories and create a book that memorialized Henry and celebrates all the things that make us all unique while still highlighting that we are all connected? So I wanted to really get the messages of what's behind bullying and like also what's behind self-love and just connection. What's the deeper story there? And I wanted the book to be about Henry and to be about me and my experience. And so I I merged them together and I like how the merge worked because he's so joyful in the beginning and going through this like great life in New York, which was true. And it mirrored how I was when I was in elementary school and just so joyful and hadn't ever had anything bad happen. Then we moved to San Diego. He had a good time in San Diego, although he didn't want to move just like in the books. I tried to keep everything like as real as possible, but I needed to come up with what was I going to then say about bullying or how was I going to solve the issue. And in my own experience, like when I was bullied, I didn't reach out to my mom, which in the book, Henry reaches out to me. In the book, it says he was ashamed to tell his mom because he thought that she wouldn't love him. I was ashamed to tell my family. My mom actually had to do some like undercover work and um, she volunteered at my school's library so that she could figure out what was going on. And so then she like was at the school. Yeah. Amazing, like amazing parenting because I wasn't talking. And then she saw it like with her own eyes, what was going on. And then she talked to the principal and the teachers and they said that they wouldn't change anything or couldn't do anything. And the principal actually called me into his office and said, I remember this distinctly he said because I was going to leave the school because my mom was like okay then we're going to take her out of the school and he said do you want to be known as a quitter so he was like bullying me and I remember I was like I don't care what you call me but that was his way of dealing with it but so I had to think in the story what am I going to do what am I going to do with Henry because 
I never stood up to my bullies. I never, I, it's interesting because this is happening so many years later, but I feel like this book for me is like Henry sharing, like in Henry's story, he learns from his mom, these lessons um, that the quote that you just read, and then he sees his bully getting bullied. And then he decides to stand up and share, share these messages. And he gets a lot of support and has his rally. And so it's like interesting how life can do these weird parallels. But like, for me, I feel like this book is in two different ways. Like the way that I talked to you before about doing the lawsuit, it felt like I was being like encouraged by the book and standing up. And it also like the end of my bullying story where the book is me sharing these messages of like love and kindness and self-love and that we're all connected and that all of the things about us that are different or weird are like the things that are like special and actually make us connected and give us kind of these connections and so the book is like my rally or my way of sharing those things, which is like a, an, an interesting thing. Cause I, I didn't do it before. So maybe this book started when I was uh, 13, which makes it way older than eight years, <laughs> but it feels like it's the end of my like bullying story is this book. And I just wanted those points to be just thinking about like, what does it mean? And the thing that's so hard, I think about bullying and I think it can come from the outside, but I also think it can come from the inside. The thoughts that you and I are talking about, the things that we tell ourselves or the way, the perspectives that we have. I think that it's just reminding ourselves of, no, like all parts of us and all the things that we think make us different from other people, those things, like everything about us is like a gift. And we are, even when you feel isolated, you're not, you're so connected to people. You're so connected to the matter around you at this uh, book event I went to last night where I read to the school, I brought um, Starbursts and I liked, um, I was like, it has to go with my book. But, and so the kids had Starbursts, but I was like, it's just because uh, we're all made up of like, Starbursts. We're all made up of the same material. We're all connected. We're all loved. That like applies to bullying. That applies to just like the the negative thoughts you might have about yourself and just knowing that we all deserve love. We all deserve the feeling that we get of the love from our dogs. We deserve that. Everyone is, is lovable. And that the things we tell ourselves or the stories that we make up in our head, they're just stories. They're not the, it's not the truth. I'm, I feel so sorry for that experience that you had too with the principal also being a bully and failing you completely. Did you end up staying at the school? No, I transferred out of the school. And I remember at that point though, like feeling a little bit untouchable. Like he was saying stuff to me, but I had just gone through, I was I, like, I had been bullied really hard for so long that it was like, I didn't, I did not care what he said to me. It was like, you can't touch me. And I felt there was like a little bit of power in, in that. Although I definitely had, I definitely had a hard time even going forward in the book. Like when 
Henry has friends come up to him after he's been bullied and he's shocked that they like treat him well. That definitely happened to me. And that I still will get that kind of like thing in my head, the feeling that people are going to reject me or that it's interesting how a childhood, that's a small, I don't want to give it a, I'd say a small trauma, but I don't want to say what kind of trauma, but something like that can creep into your mind or creep into your life in so many different places but just that worry of being rejected or just having suddenly everyone hate you <laughs> yeah it's crazy what happened with the school but also like huge uh, props to my mom for going in and, and figuring that out and then trying to change it and then when it wouldn't change getting me out like a super mom kind of thing to do I've been working with this organization called Pacers National Bullying Prevention Center, and they have really good advice, and they put Henry's book into their book club, which I love, and they talk about like how often people don't reach out for help, or they don't tell a trusted adult or parent or teacher for so many different reasons, but that's one of the biggest things that's recommended to do, and I think it's because you do feel, in my case, I felt like I felt a lot of shame because I felt like I deserved what was happening to me. And so that prevented me from, from reaching out and, or people will think that nothing can change or that it won't get better. You get yourself into this kind of mental framework, but it's not true. And sometimes the things that you're scared of doing can just like reaching out for help can lead to such better things. You can feel like you're stuck in life, but you're not stuck. There's always a way. Yeah. And I think with your experience, thankful, thankfully your mother, she definitely could see that something in you was off and mm. it's so wonderful that she was so perceptive and recognizing that and seeking out that information. She tried to make a change with the principal and that attitude, like you said, that could be so discouraging. So even if a, a child maybe does talk to a teacher and they're not helpful or somebody else that's not helpful, keep talking to people because somebody eventually will help you. And so it just goes to show, like you said, that you're not stuck, even if for a moment you may feel like that there is help in someone else, don't shut down. And I think that's like the biggest thing to keep trying. Yeah, in all areas of life, like not even just this, but just mm -hmm. any area in life, I feel like that is really good advice. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. Speaking of complex feelings, Henry experiences bullying in the book and explores the many feelings that come along with that shame, sadness, insecurity, disconnection, and unworthiness. What makes the book so incredibly moving to me is that you're able to witness Henry's very realistic and relatable journey and how he is able to navigate with communication, love, empathy, compassion, and acceptance. How important was it for you to teach children to navigate complicated and nuanced emotions? When I told the part of the story, like, like Henry's emotions that he was going through, that was just straight my emotions. So it was exactly how I felt. And so I just told it 
through him. When I got bullied, I was, I got bullied because of my forehead. The kids would call me egghead, which I mentioned in the book, but that's what I was called. And I just switched it into him being called pig dog. But like all of the things that happened, the actions that happened to him and all of the emotions that he felt, it was like a rhyming memoir. And I wanted just to really like honor that 13 year old me and tell the, the experience that I went through. So I just was very truthful and shared how I was feeling because like we were saying, I think when you are just truthful about your emotions and your experiences, even if you don't know if that's how someone else would feel or does feel, I think that is the way that like things become relatable or that people can connect to it. And so those are all the feelings that I felt and I had Henry feel them too. And then I fretted for a while and was like, should I have him stand up? Should I have him do this? But I didn't want him to do anything that didn't feel like authentic to my experience too. So I had these internal pressures that you wouldn't see. If someone was like helping me write the book, they'd probably be like, what are you doing? But I was like, no, it's got to be true to Henry's story. It has to be true to my story. And I had these different things that felt important to me, even though maybe it would have been a good book in an, in another way, but it wouldn't have been mine. Like it needed to feel, it needed to feel honest. Yeah. And you said many times throughout this, the things that happen when you're a child affect you so much as an adult, when you're a kid, feelings are overwhelming as an adult, they are as well. And I think being able to show that you can feel conflicting emotions, the sense of wanting to belong, but also feeling angry. It's so important because I think as a kid, you feel like you should feel a certain way, or maybe you shouldn't. And that carries on as an adult, right? I love the complexity because I think that it shows a child that all of it is normal and that all of it is okay. And you can work through it. And again, nothing is static, that there is hope and you can ask for help. And the mother in the book, just reminding, you know, Henry, how amazing he is. I think we all just need that reminder and remembering like who we are and what we're capable of. So it's a message for children about not just bullying, empathy, and Henry showing compassion to Another dog that's being bullied in the book after his experience, I think that it was just so beautiful to see him then be so passionate and feel the need to make a difference. You felt the need to make a difference in children's lives in the future. And maybe if you didn't have that bullying experience, you wouldn't have this passion for making such a big difference and teaching people and children how to navigate that now. I think that's so true. It's another kind of gift from like the hard things that happen to us in our life. Like they can be fuel for us to make it better for other people. And like another way to, to understand ourselves or to like love ourselves more through those kind of difficult, challenging moments. And then you do reach other people. And then maybe that inspires them to look at something that was difficult in their life and 
How can they turn that into something beautiful? And I like that you were talking about the different emotions and the complexity of them and how they're all okay. And one of the things I was told by a couple of different people is to cut out the beginning part of the book and go right into the bullying sooner because it's like a longer children's book. But I really wanted to establish Henry as this kind of like happy and show this other kind of life and give him this like this kind of like personality before all of this stuff came in so that you could see that there are these like complex emotions that can happen to anyone and that it's not you aren't the emotion like the emotion is is happening and you're experiencing it and I like that you talked about anger too I actually had more on his on his feeling angry because one thing that happened to me is I remember feeling very confused and then I also remember feeling angry and so I initially I have and they're like one of them is one of my favorite illustrations in the book and it's not in it because the book was longer so I was like this might be confusing and I'm going to cut these parts out and I think who knows if in the future if I'll do like an extended version it has like the coolest illustrations but it like talked about like kind of the thoughts that were going on in Henry's head and in his mind and like the anger that you do feel which is a totally normal and acceptable emotion but also one that I still when I feel it I'll be like is this bad I think you like Mm. are we just tend to like associate oh I'm not angry I'm not an angry person but when something violates you or you're hurt you're supposed to feel that like all of our emotions are supposed to be there and they're supposed to give us information and help us make decisions and help guide us on our path everyone feels them and so it's good for us to acknowledge that we feel them and that that those things are good like you can be a a good person and you can feel every emotion that's how it's supposed to be yeah I really want the extended version (laughs) (laughs) Sounds so great. I'm trying to think like, how can we make this happen? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I had this friend and she like printed out like the parts that were cut out of her book and would take them and just sell them at like her book events. And I was like, that's so clever. And I'm like, who knows like what I would do in the future. But there's two illustrations that were cut out with this extended version. And one of them is, it's so cool. Maybe I'll send you a little sneak peek of it. I loved it, but you try to keep like the rhythm of the story and you try to keep, so you have to make all these decisions and you don't know if you're making the right decision or not, but you make a decision one, one foot in front of the other and see what happens. Wow. That must be so hard though. I obviously think it's perfect. It's beautiful, but because I love it so much, I want more. So I think that it would be so cool to see the extended version and to get more of that. And I do love that you did show him as a happy dog, living his best life. And that's why it was also so painful and such a shift and so shocking because that was something that he was completely not used to and devastating and why he didn't know what to do and how to feel about it. So I think that added to the depth and understanding him in a way that 
I know it's like humanizing. It's like, we, we all feel that. That's so interesting that that was such an intentional. And I think that's what's so cool about talking to people about their books and just, I don't know, behind the scenes of movies and things like that, because you really don't realize how intentional things are and how that really brings the magic to the story and the way that you perceive it. So that's a really cool insight. Yeah, thank you. And I love that you took it that way and that you got exactly what I was intending. Yeah, it was perfect. So what was the process like in finding an illustrator and what made you choose Hannah Farr? So I found her, I think it was in 2013. I was on Etsy. Have you ever shopped on Etsy? Etsy? Yeah. Yeah, I love Etsy too. And she had a shop on Etsy and I had her paint a picture of Henry wearing a crown and it turned out so cute. And I found out later that I was either her first or one of her first ever patients, which I didn't know. She was, I think at that point, I think fresh out of art school and like living with her parents and worked like a full-time job and just doing art on the side. And I loved her art. And I got some more things from her, like gifts for family. I got some more stuff for myself. And then when Henry's Instagram account was doing so well, I liked to promote like artists or like small businesses. So I would promote her stuff on there and we do like, we do contests and then the winner of the contest would get like a painting from her. She was just great. I've never, the weird thing is, okay, So I've never met her in person, but we have talked so much for the last 10 years. She lives in England and, and I feel like I'm like friends with her, but it's all been a virtual relationship. But when I thought about this book, I thought, oh gosh, like actually when I was a kid, I thought when I wanted to write a children's book, I thought I wanted to be the illustrator too. And I really like doing art but I'm not good at painting dogs. And so I'm like, that will not work for this book. And I was like, I love how Hannah paints dogs. And so I asked her if she'd be interested in working on the book with me. And she said, yes. And so we started that. And I told her, oh, I think it's going to be a year. And then we started that, that process. And she was like the, the most amazing person to work with. And over the time um, that we've been working together, she's become a full-time artist, um, like quit the day job and has this like booming art business. And I can't say enough good things about her. She captures dogs and like animals personalities so well. She's so fun and so easy to work with. She would do things like she would say, because it, because we worked on this book for so long, um, her style and she like was improving and becoming more masterful at her craft. And she would say, Sam, do you mind if I redo this painting? Because I think I've gotten better and that I could do a better version. And she would just go then like from her own accord and like work on updating a painting. And I would have, I said like before, oh, I think it's great. But then she'd do another version that was like even better. And she was just wonderful to work with. If I ever do another Henry kind of book, I definitely would want to work with her again. So it was 
fun. She was the easiest part of the entire process. I couldn't have asked for a better illustrator. And it's crazy how the universe can bring like people in, into your life, but she's am- amazing. I love that. I love the pictures. If you're a Frenchie person and my husband saw it and he was like, oh my God, the way that the illustrator captured Frenchie movement and you can just see the way they sit, the way that they're playing. It's phenomenal. That's one of the amazing things about it too. The story is incredible. The illustrations are incredible. It's just, it's such a beautiful, well done book. Oh, thank you. Yeah. She, so she has a Frenchie. She actually, and so her Frenchie, she has, her dogs are painted into the book too. The Frenchie that she has now is on the last page on page 60. So you can see her dog there. And then all the dogs that are on the bus with Henry are like her dogs are past dogs. So there are all these like little secret things in the book, like of other people's dogs, families, dogs, dogs from Instagram. Speaking of the illustrations of the other dogs in the book, how did you choose the dogs that were going to be somewhere, the illustrators, Hannah's, and then yours? And then how did you choose from your community and all of the ones that you knew? So yeah, there's family dogs. There's my friend's dogs are in there. Um, Hannah's dogs. Then I had some contests on Instagram. So some of them are like contest winners. And then earlier on when I was doing it, I needed to raise money to um, pay for it. And so then I had this one point where I opened it up for whoever wanted to pay to have their dog in it. So Henry's friends would then pay and then that's how I could pay Hannah and then they get to be in in the book. So it's a mix. Some people want it. Some are people I know. Some people are like, it was like a gift, different points in my life or after Henry passed. And so then I'd be like, yeah, can you paint their dog in too? And she was like, yes, like she's so, so nice about it. But so it's like a, it's like a huge mix, but it's neat because almost all of the dogs are real. The bullies aren't real dogs though, because no one wanted their dog to be a bully. So those ones are, oh, funny. are, are ones. Yeah. <laughs> How important was it for you to honor Henry's friends and community in the book and to make those dogs, the illustrations real? I love that aspect of it. And I loved also how supportive people were to me with the book. I reached out to people when I didn't know if I was going to finish the book. And I said, especially I reached out to some of the people who had paid and I said, I don't know if I'm going to finish this. I'd like to to give you your money back. And I remember like this, I was feeling like also so just so depressed and sad at this time. And they wrote and they said, I don't want the, the money back. I hope that like eventually you'll do the book. And that felt so touching. And then it felt so nice to like actually get to do it. And some of the people in the book, like their pets have passed. And so now they have Henry, they have this way of having like their dogs like live on in this form and yeah so it's just I think it just makes it a lot more special that you look in you can see all of their personalities and you can see all their they're just they're real dogs and you can tell when you look at it and it's really cute 
I've heard stories like some people whose dogs aren't in it will find dogs that like look so much like their dogs. Someone told me and they're like, yeah, I think they said their grandson thinks that this one dog is their dog. And I think that it was a dog that had passed, but he loves the book because his dog is in it. So I love that people can, can find their dogs in it, even if they're not one of the painted, one of the painted dogs. It makes me think about how if you're sharing stuff or you're being like authentic and like how they're like authentic and real, that shines through and connects with people and can even make them connect with their own their own pets just by seeing the other pets. Love that so much. That's so cool. Ugh, yeah, you're memorializing your dog, but also all of these other ones and honoring the community that you've built. I just think that's so cool. Oh, thank you. So what is the biggest lesson Henry has taught you? I feel like every lesson that he taught me was like one in love. I think that the point of the book is, is for you to read it and to feel like I am loved. And I think that's what Henry taught me. And it's crazy how a dog can do it and how they can break through this level of you. Because I remember I went through some like difficult times in my life where I felt like, where I felt like I was not loved. And that wasn't true, but it's how I felt like it was only Henry who loved me. And I think it was during COVID, I went through some old boxes that I had with like a bunch of old cards in it. And I found like this one card that my mom wrote to me and it was the most, and it was during this time when I felt like I had no one but Henry. And it was the most beautiful card. And she said everything perfectly. I, I cried like reading it then. But when I got it, it, I felt like I was so alone. It was like those things would just bounce off of me. And so someone could be saying the perfect thing or doing the perfect thing. And it wasn't permeating, but Henry permeated. So maybe it's like how you were saying there's something about the power that can come through not having to be in words. There's just a way that like dogs can get it through to you. And you can't explain it away or you can't say, oh, they don't mean it or they should saying it because of this. You just feel it. And he just made me feel so loved and so special and so important. I like that then this book is like saying that kind of message for everyone who reads it. When I first wrote it, I thought maybe I'd write more than one book. Maybe we do multiple things together. It just It's interesting how it happens. And it's interesting how that's the the clear, the clear message. Do you want to hear a sign story? Yeah. That I have. Okay. In the last page of the book, which it has like this little thing that says, this little thing that says you are loved on the sign that they're holding. There's like a story behind that. So I went to New York after my friend um, who had the dog Daphne, that was the one that had the Instagram account that inspired Henry's. So Daphne died and I went to New York to see my friend and we we're going to have a funeral for Daphne. And I was telling her about the, the book, The Light Between Us and Signs by Laura Lynn Jackson. And I was saying, you can ask for signs from Daphne and I've asked for signs from Henry. And I was telling her about this and I said, I've decided to ask for the sign 
from Henry of a bear. And I said, the reason that I've decided to ask for this sign is because I used to talk to him in this like weird voice. And I would, am I going to actually say this on the podcast? But, oh, but I used to talk to him in this weird voice and I wasn't saying the word bear, but when people heard me, they thought that I was saying bear. It's like I'm saying Henry bear or baby, baby bear, but it was just a, a nonsense word that I would say. But I was like, I think it's hard for the universe to give me a nonsense word. So I'm going to ask for a bear. And then two days later, I was walking around New York by myself and just like feeling in the magic of everything and just like enjoying it. My friend was at work and I walked onto the street and right in front of me was like a life-size sculpture, wooden sculpture of a mom bear and next to it, sculpture of a baby bear and next to it, sculpture of a French bulldog. Shut up. Yes. Who would put a French bulldog with bears? And then in the baby bear's lap was a rock, a painted rock. And on the rock, it was written, you are loved. And it would look just like the, the sign that's on the last page of that book. But I was just like standing there. I just asked for one bear and I got a mom bear, a baby bear and a French bulldog. That's so crazy. Please tell me, yeah. did you take a photo of it? I did. Yeah. I can send oh you my the God. photo. It's on Henry's um, Instagram. So I did a, I haven't posted about all the signs, but I did a post about that one. So cool for you to have a book with even just the signs, all of your photos. That would be amazing. I love that. Yeah. It was like this incredible. And when you get into that kind of like energy or that feeling, just everything just feels like sparkly and and magical around you. It makes you feel like you're not, like you're not alone. They haven't left. They're still there. They're still listening to you. And that sometimes things happen and you're like, why did this happen? But maybe there's like a bigger reason that you didn't get to see at the time, but it will, it'll all make sense someday. And there's still so many beautiful things that, that happened because of the bad stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's so crazy. Yeah, it's just it's it's beautiful how things how things happen. And I think there always is like a beautiful thing underneath the hard stuff. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it just takes a, a little bit to to see it. I like to yeah. think of I like to think of fertilizer. And how fertilizer is not something you think of as good, but like all the things that things from it. It's so true. Beautiful things. I've been reading a lot about the fertile void and the darkness. Everything comes from darkness in utero Mm -hmm. and a seed. And so it's, it is interesting because I've been thinking about rebirth and like how we do go through all of these little tiny deaths at all times and we're not really feeling them per se but obviously some we do feel but I think that in general I said that I'm a different person than yesterday or maybe five minutes ago I think that there is this beauty in allowing these parts to die and let go for something new and 
But yeah, I'm trying to find that experience even with writing because it's so hard to write difficult things, but I'm like, it's okay. It's like part of a rebirth. You and Henry built this incredible community. How did your community help you through Henry's passing? When people lose a dog, I think so many people feel like really alone because they feel like they can't share how much they're grieving. And so many people reached out. So many people reached out to me. Like it was so nice. People supported me in so many amazing ways. Like after Henry passed, I would spend, I spent a lot of time in bed, a lot of time crying and I would have my phone and I would have messages like thousands of people were writing me messages and they were sharing things that just made me feel like they would share some things where they're like, I've never told anyone this before. And then they would share such personal things that just made me feel so honored that they were telling me they would share what Henry had meant to them. People reached out and just said like the most wonderful things and made me feel not alone. They said, they would say like that they had lost family members and that losing their dog was worse. And they would, they just shared things that were so human and so beautiful and so kind. And I was, I was so depressed and so sad. And I felt like so comforted by like all of these strangers and, and they helped in, in, in sometimes in ways that my friends or my family couldn't like, it was just really, I, I like, I feel really grateful because so many people go through the loss of a pet and they do it on their own. And I felt I had, it felt like the whole world was with me and it felt that was so helpful and so nice. And they would send things and say things. And then when I brought the, when I brought the lawsuit, initially I didn't have the funds for it and people donated for me to initially start it. And, and it made me feel, I felt like I was in a position where I could then could do something and I could stand up because I had their support. And that was, it was a hard, a very hard thing to do, but I felt like this responsibility. And then also this, also this gratitude and this gratitude that, that I could possibly make a difference or make a change when other people maybe wouldn't have known what had happened or not have people that could support them or not have proof of what had happened to them. And it happened because of Henry's Instagram, which then made me feel like, was it supposed to happen that way? Did I have this and did I have this community so that I could make a difference and help make it better for animals in the future. Because I've always wanted, I've always cared about animals. I've always wanted to support animals. I did it in other ways through Henry's account. And then 
this was like such a big and such a personal way and <laughs> so not what I would have chosen but it, who knows if my spirit chose it because it happened in a way where I felt like I had a chance to do something when other people when other people didn't so I felt like a responsibility but also just like a gratitude it was so, so many mix, mixes of emotions because some of it just really sucked but some of it was so beautiful and so it was a huge mess of every feeling but honestly I don't know how I would have gotten through it without this community of people and all these people's kind comments and it makes you think uh, so many people would say they didn't think and I don't even know if I was able to read all of them because I got so many but when I would write backers people would think what they're saying wasn't making a difference or I don't know if you'll see this or if you need to hear this but I would fall like I would read the things and I would fall and I would feel like so touched and so connected and it was like it was this escape but into this like world where everyone there loved Henry like it was so like magical and like nice and and just the kindness of like strangers or people who loved my dog was like I it, like it blows me away it was really like a really incredible thing I feel very grateful to everyone who sent a message everyone who did anything there were so like I feel really lucky I feel really lucky it was like like the shittiest thing ever and I feel really lucky because I was like so lucky to have his love and then to have like all that love from from all those people all because I was procrastinating writing my thesis <laughs> like it just it's just a neat world yeah thank you so much for sharing and I'm sorry that you've cried so much on our podcast <laughs> when I think about it's already really difficult to experience a loss of your animal. And then on top of that, and the circumstances that you did, and then on top of that, the lot, like thinking about a lawsuit and then having the support, but did you feel you mentioned reading your book and not standing down and not wanting to be bullied out of the actions you thought needed to take place? How did that feel reconciled in the lawsuit? I stood up for all of the things that I felt strongly about from the beginning, which was really hard because I was given about a million times where I was told to step away from those things from various people, but I stuck with what I wanted and what I felt was right. Although sometimes I was like, Sometimes I was like, what is going on universe? If this is what I'm supposed to be doing, like, 
why is this so hard? And it there were so many hard, there were so many hard moments and so many moments where I would have to like go to the beach and scream or run just to get like energy out or cry. It's interesting because during that time that was so hard, I actually reached out to Laura Lynn Jackson and she would say like, the most comforting things to me that were like so helpful. And it was crazy how like she would see it like right when I needed it and like, write me like right then. And sometimes I felt like I felt really lost and I felt like I have these feelings, but like I have all these other people saying things to me or all these things happening. Am I crazy? It was a, like, it was such a hard, it was such a hard thing to do. And I kept going forward, not even knowing. I just felt like very lost, but also just like, no, like I had a purpose. It was just a very long, exhausting, emotionally, like I put so much of myself into it. It taught me like before I did it, I was angry at other people for not having st stood up. And I thought like, why hasn't someone stopped this kind of stuff from happening before? Then like when I went through it, it was five, five years of it. I then was like, okay, I, I don't judge anyone. There's so many times when I could have stopped. And then, so it also, that shifted my thoughts about, okay, I dropped the judgment that I have on people who didn't do this before or who would stop or who would like, it's, it was really hard, but I feel like, I kept thinking about like, how would I feel when I die? What would I be proud of? Or what would I, and so I would try to keep that bigger picture in mind, even though in the moment, like things felt overwhelming and nature would help too. I remember when I was going to court and I was so scared that I went for a early morning walk. And then I saw like this osprey next to me flying. And then it like dove down into the water and caught a fish like that. And so you have these like moments that then are so like poignant and so like you get these kind of like these beautiful things happen to you when you're in like really stressful or hard times that stand out and kind of like sparkle or these like gems that like in regular life you might miss over or just these things that happen where you feel like more alive which is nice but also like it was so stressful and afterwards like, I think I'm still like getting some of that kind of like fight or flight feeling out of me like I would have like kind of borderline anxiety attacks and it was a lot. <laughs> Are you happy with the outcome of listening to yourself through the resistance that you were experiencing, continuing to push through that this indeed was a purpose that you needed to complete? Yeah. I feel like really I feel really proud of myself because it was so hard personally, but I felt this, like, it was me listening to, it was like, like stories you hear about where you listen to yourself, even when you're being told, like, 
something completely different. I feel like I feel proud of myself and I feel, and I felt, I felt like no matter what happened, I can only do, I can't, I couldn't determine what the jury was going to find. I didn't have any control over those things, but I could, but I could still try. And I was like, all I can do is try. And I tried my best and I had no idea what was going to happen, but I just felt like I can do my part and then the universe can do it. So it was like a super, super scary thing to do, but I, but it felt like, it felt like there was like integrity in doing what felt right. Even if it didn't, even if it wasn't what other people would say or what, what other things were going on in my life. So it felt, I felt proud of myself for doing that. And I feel lucky to have that funny like I'm I feel it I feel lucky to have that had that opportunity but also it was awful (laughs) and so I feel like very lucky that I got to do it but it also was like one of the worst experiences ever so I'm like I'm grateful and I I would like that to to be that'll be it (laughs) for that yeah I'm glad it's over for you and that you do feel satisfied with your effort and the outcome. And I know Henry is super proud of you and I'm sure gave you all of the strength that you needed and the signs to keep pushing forward. And it makes me laugh now thinking that I asked you if you were intuitive and your answer, because after talking to you this whole time, it's a joke. I feel like you're definitely intuitive and the fact that you even went to a conference about being more intuitive it's definitely there there's so many times that you could have had different choices but throughout each question you talk about really feeling things and knowing innately what to do so it's just funny (laughs) that wasn't something that you're like yeah for sure you're like I don't know (laughs) <laughs> well, yeah, that's interesting. I think when I think of intuitive, I think like people who can like think like a question and then just have the answer like, come into their head. How does yeah. it work for other people? I think it's like how you're doing it. I really think that it's just you're making choices. There are certain things that you just won't give up on, you know, that this is worth the energy and effort. And I'm just going to do that. I think it's a more carefree sense where like I was saying before, it's not really chronological time that we think here, but it's almost like you're thinking about it more in a whatever it comes to you when it comes to you and you go with the flow in that sense. So I think that's really cool. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So are you going to write another book? and continue his legacy in that way. I know you said that there's things that you can share. So I'm super excited about that. But is there anything that you can share? So I get asked this question a lot and I have ideas for children's books. The thing that I feel like, I actually thought of like a new one today. I always have these ideas pop into my head, but it's interesting. You're talking about how you're writing memoir. That's what I went to school for. 
I've taught it, but I'm also scared of it. So it's like this interesting kind of mix, but it makes me, I'd like to do some writing memoir style or like personal essay style, maybe like compilation of personal essays. Um, I definitely think that like Henry will be in what I write because just such a huge part of like my life. I don't know. A lot of people say, are you doing like a whole series of Henry books? And like, you should. And I get that advice a lot because it's good to have that for economical reasons. But I also, I want to do what feels like, like authentic to me and what makes me feel excited. So it depends if it pops in or if it happens, or maybe I can do things at a different time. I guess my answer is I have a lot of different things and a lot of different ideas, and I'm not sure what's coming next. Awesome. But I I feel like the answer, (laughs) yeah, I I feel like the answer I should say is yes, there's going to be an entire series of blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, I don't know if that's true. Yeah. So it's just, it's what, if this is the the first thing that's out and we'll see what's coming next, but I want to do some writing for, for grownups too, or just for myself actually. And then hopefully that will resonate with grownups. Yeah. I think you'll have a lot of material dive into that and I will be excited to read it. And I love that answer. I think really it's just, you're open to whatever feels best next and whatever calls your spirit, which is really cool. So I guess that kind of goes into what is your ultimate goal? Yeah. I just want to do things that feel authentically me and that make me feel like creative and connected and then hopefully help people and animals and whatever kind of like writing that is and just things that make you feel purpose and make you feel connected to who you are and and meaningful and just fun. I want to do things that are fun and I want to let go of worrying about stuff and having that like outer voice or that outer like image and just like be more in the magic and just embrace the the fun parts of writing and the fun parts of life and the fun parts of connecting. So like this podcast was so fun. Oh, I love that. And Thank that, you. Yeah. And not at all how I had imagined how I was going to be. Like I was going to be way more professional and instead I cried like 47 times. Yeah. This is not that kind of podcast. I tried to tell, I tried to say it's really not that professional. <laughs> But I had this image of what I was going to be like, and I totally just started talking to you like I was talking to a good friend. I was going to talk to you about the signs book, meaning it it popped up and I'm like, oh, I wonder. And I'm like, why would she know that? And then when you said it, I was like, oh my gosh, this is like the permission from the universe to talk about (laughs) this. So it was just so crazy that you said it. And I was just like, I feel like you're in my head right now. It's weird because it popped into my head before I said it. And I didn't bring it up for a little bit. I wonder if it popped into our heads at the same time. And I was like, Sam, don't mention that. And then later I was like, okay, I'm going to mention it. That is, yeah. Oh my God. That's so funny. I, I'm wondering having a children's book, do you have to go through the same process? Did you have to do a book proposal or get a book deal before, or did you do everything and then you sent it to places? No, with mine, I made my own 
publishing company and I self-published it. That's awesome. I didn't know that. That's so cool. Yeah. So I think like what you have to do, I could be wrong, but I think what you have to do normally is my friend who works in the industry said they'll pair you up with it, with an illustrator. And like, you don't have the same kind of control or the same kind of like freedom in what you're doing. So this one I did, I did on my own. I made the company Sea Lavender Publishing and had these bookmakers who I loved their stuff and, and worked with them. So cool. Yeah. So wow, I've gone, I've gone a, different, a different route. Yeah. Like me doing this, the self-publishing route, there's like really neat stuff that's happening with that, that I don't think would have happened if I had gone the regular route, but I hadn't, there was no way I could have foreseen that ahead of time. So uh, how can we support you and your work? I feel like I want to make sure that people like, can we follow you? What's the best way? And obviously purchase your book. Yeah. Thanks so much for asking that question. That's such a kind and considerate and compassionate question. Yeah, you can. So on Instagram, the book's Instagram is Henry and the Magnificent Snort. Henry's Instagram is Henry LaFrenchy, which is H-E-N-R-I-L-E-F-R-E-N-C-H-I-E. You can buy the book on henryandthemagnificentsnort.com. Book reviews, like just doing like a Amazon review, those help a lot. Um, telling friends or anyone that you know that has kids that you think that it would help. Those are all wonderful ways to support me on the website too. If you want to take a picture of your dogs with, with the book, I have, if you go to Henry and the magnificent snort.com, there's a dog gallery and I've got all of these different like pups from like all around and they're all posing with the book. It's really cute. And if you, if you do that, or the listeners do that, and then either send it to me or put it in your review, then I'll add it to to the website and they can be part of it. It's really sweet to look at all these different dogs with the book. There are a lot of Frenchies. Oh my gosh, I can imagine. I love that. Winnie and Chloe will definitely have a picture there. That's amazing. Fantastic. Thank you so much. I loved talking to you. I, I'm so sorry it, it took so long, but, but it was it was so incredible. And it's just so funny. Like all of the topics, I feel like we're kindred spirits and we, it was just meant to be. It's just crazy. I know that was fantastic. And we went all sorts of places with that. And I definitely, I think you're, I think you're so cool. And I love meeting you and getting to talk with you. And I hope that we stay friends. Yeah, same. Thank you. I appreciate your feedback and confidence and just being on the podcast again I love talking to you I really appreciate your time and I hope when you release whatever new information I'd love to have you back on so we can talk about whatever else is happening in your life okay yeah definitely that sounds awesome I'd love that thank you so much this was so much fun I had such a good time talking to you 
a lot of crying and a lot of like just cool, crazy connections. There was definitely a lot of synchronicity in this conversation. Thanks for joining me on today's episode. If you want to continue the conversation, be sure to subscribe to my newsletter. The link is in the show notes. Here's a quick reminder to subscribe to this podcast. You can be the first to know when new episodes drop. All you need to do is open your favorite listening app, search for Mother of Dogs, and hit the little plus sign or follow button in the upper right corner. I'll see you back here every other Sunday for a new episode.